This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me tonight is the Commissioner, Jude Seymour. The Chief Inspector is under juvenile interrogation tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just me, me, and the, uh, me and the Commissioner walking this lovely road. Jude, my friend, how are you? Good. I, uh, I'm missing my friend Brendan tonight, but uh, I'm happy to be here with you. He had been a little quiet in the DMs today. I think he was he was prepping for uh, uh, for the bedtime. I mean, bedtime with kids is can be a war. Uh, so, yeah, I I wouldn't want to be in his position right now. So God bless him. So as we're recording this, I I, uh, I just told the boys like get your jams on. Uh, Ten o'clock is the bedtime. And since I have a 13 year old daughter, it's like, Hey, live, uh, make sure the boys are in bed at 10. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well played. Since, I was wondering uh, how yeah. you're going to get around that. So yeah. That, oh, that it's listen, there are many, many things that are completely messed up about having a teenage daughter. Uh, having a, built in ba- <laughs> having a built in babysitter is not one of them. Especially, you know, a good kid, responsible, mostly. Sure. It's uh, it is definitely a blessing. Uh, so yeah, we had a, we Pierre and I even had like a, a beginning of the week date, like a quick date. Hey yo. Like cool. a, a, yeah, went out had an early uh, dinner, like right after the kids got home from school on Monday. Uh, went to a terrible restaurant in Fort Wayne. If you if you go to, look, the landing's cool and all, but. Jude, what do you know about like, um, what do you know about like, like strip mall restaurants? Like, like, I don't want to call the landing in Fort Wayne a strip mall by any stretch of the imagination, but I am like under like absolute protest because I think it's shady and bullshit as fuck that Columbia street, uh, the bar, which me and my wife met for the first time, uh, is gone now, but it's like, it's like this stupid, like they're trying to make every downtown area in the country like a, like these certain little restaurants well there's a company called the Cunningham Group they're based in Indianapolis and if you go online and look at them like all the restaurants that they have are basically the fucking same but with different names like it like uh, it all looks the same like a graphic designer and that's exactly how this place felt like the menu was uninspired it was overpriced it was just a whole lot of fucking nothing and if you know anything about like I mean, just like downtowns in general across the country, like some, a lot of the charm is like more of like a ma and pa dining experiences. You know what I mean? Like unique to the city itself. Right, right, right. If this is so corporate. This is like a an upscale Applebee's, basically. Ooh, okay. It was fucking awful. It is awful. I am under protest from now on. We should have went to Proximo or Tallinn, but we were just going to get a quick bite to eat and a drink. 
uh, while we kind of figured we had a couple hours set aside for our daughter to watch the boys. It's a joke. It's terrible. Stay away from it. Uh, I haven't ch- have tried out uh, Nawa or or uh, or Mercado on the landing for all my Fort Wayne area listeners, but I'll be hitting those up. And if those are just as bad, I might do a a, a I might start my own. What the fuck are you doing, Fort Wayne podcast? Uh, <laughs> do a special eight episode run, uh, limited series. Just based off of my that one experience at the marquee had me so pissed off. So, anyways, now that we got the dying experiences of Fort Wayne uh, out of the way, yeah. So I, I see you reminded me of a quick story that I actually wanted to tell. So excellent. Um, I went to uh, a music festival, bluegrass music festival, uh, with my father, and we flew into Nashville and actually stayed the first night in Antioch, Tennessee, which is a kind of I I, I think I would I call it a suburb of Nashville. And, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're just looking for a, like, we're just looking for a bite to eat. Um, it was St. Patty's day. So we were kind of like, you know, we don't want to get too crazy with the bar thing, but we also, you know, sort of wanted to grab a drink and also, you know, have a, have a bite to eat that wasn't like super, like super fancy or whatever. So we found this place that was in a strip mall and that's why you, that's why it reminded me of it. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it looked kind of, it looks you know, it looked like it was, it had a lot of good seating or whatever. So we got in there and unbeknownst to us, it was trivia night. And so we were like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, it was a little bit more more full than I wanted it to be, but like, yeah, but I'm with my dad and we're not going to do a two person trivia. I mean, people bring like eight people to trivia night and they like plays groups. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty intense. Right. So, well, you got, you might have some Vanderbilt grads. So, I mean, might have a few smart people down there. Yeah, there was. I mean, the, the questions were a little easy uh, to start off, but then it got it got a little bit harder. As it, maybe it was because I started drinking more. Maybe that's why the questions got harder. I'm not not 100 sure, but um, <laughs> suffice to say, I, I sat down and I was kind of do, you know doing a once over of the the uh, the bar area or whatever. And uh, the 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 fellow sitting right behind me, you know, had a had a giant red beard and he was like really muscular. And he like kind of a spiky top, like on a red a red top or whatever, really stood out. Um, and I said, "Damn, if that doesn't look like Sheamus, the uh, WWE, uh, you know, superstar that's uh, affiliated with Notre Dame." And uh, you know, so it's like you don't want to stare at the same time, like if it actually is him. But you know, I'm sneaking a couple of uh, glances or whatever. And so I pull up a uh, Google image search or whatever, and I try to get the picture that I think looks like the most like him. And I point this to my father and I said, "Do you think that's this guy?" Be, you know, sitting behind us because, like, again, it's it's behind me, but now my father can stare at him directly, right? Because we're sitting across from each other, and he's like, "No." Nah. And so I pull up another photo, and this time I pull up one with his wife, who's clearly sitting next to him, and he's like, "Okay, no, no, that de-, he's like, no, that definitely is him." And he's like, "I'm gonna go say something." I'm like, "Nah, Dad." I'm like, "We're not doing that." You know what I mean? Like, first of all, like we're you know the guy's being completely left alone. Um, and I'm like, you know, I don't know the situation or whatever, but like, turns out that Seamus and his wife live in Nashville and they were there for trivia night. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny because the idea that like, you know, this guy's worth, I don't know, a couple <laughs> million dollars. And he's like, you know what we we could do on St. Patty's night? Like go out for trivia, you know? And it was like him and his wife and uh, like a, maybe another couple and like a random like fifth wheel or whatever. And it was just like, they were just sitting there and everyone was leaving them alone and they seemed like they were having a good time. So I was like, okay, cool. So that's my story. Nice. 
man, Nashville's like, <clears throat> there's a lot of people living in Nashville that, that we know, like even on, like, isn't Bridget, didn't she move up to Nashville? Yeah. There's a couple of them. Uh, yeah. The, 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 do you don't know the Maddie Penny, uh, Matthew yeah, Penninger? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's there too. Um, actually, Ryan Nanny is in Nashville now. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. I actually, I actually had plans when we, we first, uh, we're going to go to this festival. It was like literally the week that everything shut down, uh, for COVID in March, 2020. So I'd actually made plans with, um, with Bridget and, and, and Matt to, uh, to get together like at a restaurant and just like have a couple, you know, have a beer and, and just like say, say hi and like meet each other in person and stuff. And th- they were totally willing to do it. It just, it's, it, um, it, this time it was, I was only in one for one night and it was St. Patrick's night. And I was like, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna impose on people yeah. because like, that's kind of a weird <laughs> night to impose on people. You know what I mean? So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know who else lives in Nashville? Uh, Clark Lee and Nick Lezinski. So yes, there's, there's all sorts of the Nashville ties now. And uh, Greer Martini, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. And uh, you know this better than I that there's a, um, there is a GoFundMe going on right now, right? For Greer Martini's yeah. girlfriend. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. So I just, I, I read basically the, the article and it sounds like kind of a cool thing because it's Dylan Gibbons and his, um, big, what is it? Big guy, big heart, um, uh, foundation yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, as big man, big heart. So, uh, Dylan Gibbons obviously used to play offensive line for the, for Notre Dame. He, he moved to Florida state for his graduate year. He uh, befriended a, a kid at Notre Dame and he ended up bringing him to Tallahassee for the opening game so that he could, he was like a special needs kid or like a kid with a disability or whatever. So it was kind of a, he got a good, lot of good publicity and now he's using his foundation to help uh, Laura Fisher, who is the longtime girlfriend of Greer Martini, who is apparently in a very serious um, car accident outside of uh, Vanderbilt. So um, I, I, I'm, it sounds like she was struck. She wasn't the one who was the instigator of the accident, I guess I would say. And um, she's gotten some pretty serious injuries. Uh, I think she's gone through, uh, it says six surgeries here. So she's oh, had wow. a broken, broken arm, uh, fractures in her orbital bone, broken clavicle, concussion, lost teeth, two spinal fractures. So suffice to say, um, if you feel so inclined, there is a GoFundMe, as, as Joshua mentioned. Um, it's, it's raised about $52,000. The goal is $100,000. Um, you know, obviously, every uh, every little bit helps to to, to uh, fill the gap. So um, absolutely, go check that out. If you hey, just search hey, for not, Laura Fisher, you'll find it. Hey, not for nothing, but Greer Martini might have been the best-dressed Notre Dame football player post-game uh, that I've ever, that I've ever known. Yeah. Like, you, a, you see, a, I mean, he's a, a hand- drip for a white guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's a, he's a handsome young man as it is, uh, with excellent hair. I mean, just top, top quality hair and really makes that work. I thought Brandon Wimbush always brought, uh, brought the drip as well, but, uh, Greer, Greer look good, but yeah. Oh shit. She if wasn't, you guys, if you, oh, she wasn't in a car. Holy crap. So two vehicles collided with each other and Laura was in a tent um, set up by our employer to sign up new members just outside the entrance to the turnip truck health food store. Oh man. Holy uh, shit. So, well, I, I mean, not to get legal or anything like that, but wouldn't her employer be 
insurance be liable for her? Like, like, like obviously the car, the drivers of the accident, but there's like, she should be getting a lot more help than what she's getting. Well, good question. Um, and I guess what I would say is, oh God, these pictures are just heart wrenching. Um, I I guess what, yeah, don't look at them. Um, I guess what I would say is that sometimes we have an opportunity to, to be more reactive than an insurance company that works on its own timeline or um, a company that is trying to figure out its, its legal liability. So um, I think that suffice to say that, you know, whatever, maybe insurance covers it, but maybe this money can be used for rehabilitation, lost work, lost wages, um, you know, family members get to, Help the family members to be around her to help. Yeah. Yeah. PTSD. I mean, it's just like, it, it, it's, you know, it's, I mean, this is, this is life changing. So, I mean, she probably will never, uh, unfortunately be uh, exactly the same. So, um, I'll, fi- yeah. I'll find the links for all that and I'll put that in the, in the show notes and that'll be on the, uh, the Good. OFD pay, uh, post page too. Yeah. 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 yeah to, to set aside some time and actually, read up on this and figure out how much I was, uh, I wanted to donate because I, 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 uh, I really, um, I, I really feel like, you know, we're all kind of a big family and even though Greer's moved on to, to Vanderbilt or whatever, like he's still one of ours. And, um, you know, I think, I think things like I, 20 bucks can go so far because if everyone just gave 20 bucks, I mean, we'd have this thing done. And I mean, the nerding football family is just so huge. It's just, um, you know, well, I, we're all I, I, we're all Brooklyn Bridge people, right? If we yeah. if we see somebody throwing twenty bucks at something, we might as well throw twenty bucks at something. Yeah, too. Exactly. exactly. It just keeps it keeps snowballing. You know, we're we're Brooklyn Bridge Bridge snowball people. So. <laughs> I think I think you just said Brooklyn bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, I'm mush mouth. I can't speak. Which yeah, is that's perfect okay. for a host. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, any little bit helps. I'll have all I'll have uh, a link for the, for that stuff up on the uh, the show notes and up on the uh, which be up on the site too as well. So. Yeah. Uh, good it's, luck to, to Greer and, and his girlfriend and, and all the stuff they got to go through. Hopefully we can help them out here. And speaking of which, and, and to sort of move away from that a little bit, I did read that Dell Alexander is getting a new job. Did you read that? Yeah, which is funny because Greg and I in the uh, OFD pregame or OFD podcast pregame uh, <laughs> on Twitter spaces, <laughs> we, we brought up Georgia Tech several times. Uh, in, in a short time span, and neither one of us mentioned uh, Dell getting a job at Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, so Dell is going to reunite himself with Chip Long, who he he uh, coached with at both Notre Dame and Arizona State. I think Chip's now the offensive coordinator for the the Ramblin' Wreck of, of Georgia Tech, if I recall correctly, right? Yes. Yeah, he so. finally got himself a real job. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to be a dick about that, but it was the look. Chip Long, Chip Long's offenses in Notre Dame were pretty good. Like they, they were good. Yeah. And for the, the way that went down for his departure and then like not, you had a really good offense at a school like Notre Dame and you didn't get a coordinator job for a while. Like we yeah, all, we all w- understand w- the, the, the mitigating circumstances, but it still seemed a little strange. Now he's got himself a real job. Hopefully, uh, hope, hopefully everything goes well for him. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to point out as a guy who knows random shit about people, uh, Dell Alexander <laughs> is, is passing the Brimley line, Brimley line on uh, April 9th. So if you uh, happen to think of it eight days from now or seven, as you listen to this podcast, uh, be sure to tweet at Dell 
and uh, tag the uh, the Burnley line on uh, on Twitter. And if you don't know what the Brimley line is, it's the date that Wilford Brimley, how old Wilford <laughs> Brimley was when he made Cocoon, when Cocoon came out. <laughs> I actually thought about Wilford Brimley today when I was talking to my wife about the uh, about, about insulin diabetes. price fix. <laughs> oh yeah, about insulin price fix. I I didn't know. God, this is so off the beaten path for this podcast. <laughs> I didn't know, like, so I I said said to my wife about it. I'm like, hey, that's you know, that's you know, that's great for people, you know, people that are in need. This and that. She goes, yeah. She goes, you wouldn't believe the amount of insulin hospitals throw out on a basis. Oh no, kidding! Like, oh yeah, she's she's like, it's incredible. She's because they'll order up insulin just for a little bit because somebody's blood sugar spiked or whatever. Right. And just the amount that they have to use is smaller than what they have to pull out from whatever system it is. I, I don't even know. Uh, but, oh. uh, but they don't use it all and it just, it gets thrown away. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way to deal with this. People are like struggling. Like the price fix is great, but if like, if hospitals are just throwing this shit out cause they can't use it for so long, like there has to be a better way for this to be administered. So anyway, yeah. What's uh, Martin Scarelli up to these days? Do you think maybe he can do something about insulin prices? I think he could do something about uh, eating ass and getting the fuck <laughs> off of this earth. Uh, well, and, you know, hey, and that conversation with my wife also tied into uh, Vanderbilt, Nashville, uh, because she's like beside herself about this uh, uh, the nurse uh, go, uh, homicide charge. So as all nurses are and should be, uh, but God damn, man, everything just comes full fucking circle. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got to be living in the Matrix because I, I wore a Vanderbilt shirt last night, okay, and it was fighting a fire. And oh my God, everything's just going around. So I guess my question is, does the Vanderbilt SB <laughs> Nation site have a podcast and do they want tonight's episode? They might. They might. You know, <laughs> speaking of which, you know, you know what I did today, right? Uh, I, remind me. I I gave well I gave our readers fair warning about the new comment system coming, and I mm. used uh, it, they already switched over on Anchor of Gold, so okay. I gave a link to, to the Vanderbilt site Anchor of Gold, as well as wow. a screenshot of their uh, of their comments. <laughs> Everything's full circle. Everything's fucking full circle. <laughs> oh man, wow. it's, if 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 Seamus just fucking called me right now, it just it would complete the whole. <laughs> Thing. All right. So, uh, hey, just remind everybody that this is a Notre Dame football podcast and we will get to that. <laughs> uh, but, but before we do, uh, just a reminder for everybody, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. If you leave a review and it doesn't show up, try, 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 try again. Uh, you know, Apple is a bunch of assholes. And just things just don't work right sometimes. So I had a guy message me saying, hey, I left a review like three times. I wouldn't take it. I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe you cussed. I don't. I, I have no idea why they why things don't show up or why they do. Uh, but he finally did get one through. So I got a review to read to you tonight, um, just as we do uh, whatever we can. So I got five stars here from her loyal son. Uh, yeah, it, uh, that's the uh, the Twitter account at her loyal son, uh, singular. Yeah, that's my that's my Instagram handle. That's interesting. It's not me though. Yeah. So no, no. Okay. Says uh, I'm giving this another shot. Maybe it'll stick this time. Number one, 
been thinking about making the drive up from Knoxville to Columbus for the season opener. Please tell me why that's a horrible idea. The only away games that I've ever been to have been in Knoxville. Okay. So, and then the second question, we'll answer the first one and then I'll get to the second question. Look, I've stated my opinion about Notre Dame, Ohio state game on a podcast. I, I even had uh, Matt Brown on for, for, a, for an episode and brought that up. And he had a kind of a, a chuckle. It's going to be a night game in Columbus and it is not going to end well for a lot of visiting fans. It's just not, I've been down there. I don't know how many games, but at least four or five night games in my life. It does not go well for opposing teams fans. It's not a fun experience um, unless you win. And the games that I've been to, none of them won. So, uh, although I was there for the, uh, the 98 Michigan state game, and that was a lot of fun for the 10 Michigan state fans and me walking around Columbus in dead silence for three hours after the game. But anyways, uh, look, by all means, I am a go to the away games guy, right? Like when we start, when I start bitching about the shamrock series, I am adamant that we need, you know, real away games. And those are the, actually the fun things. Cause you band together as a fandom and you know, you're, you're going in enemy territory and all that, which is all, which is all true. This is still a little bit of a different monster. And I think what Notre Dame fans found from like Georgia, when they went down there in 2019, was a very willing reciprocation by Georgia fans to, you know, to be cool, right? Like, they made a big deal about the way they were treated in South Bend. Uh, plus, yeah. you know, they're pretty happy to win. And so they really wanted to go out of their way to, to you know, I think more than they, than normal, to be at least civil to Notre Dame fans throughout throughout their experience down there. Now the game itself was completely fucking bonkers with the lights and, and that shit got all crazy and, you know, affected mm-hmm. what Notre Dame does now at home games, which is just kind of a, a fun, uh, fun timeline. Ohio state fans aren't going to feel that nor do they care. They don't, they will, they, they will laugh. It, Ohio state fans go to Notre Dame stadium being treated. Well, isn't going to matter to them. They will laugh at your weakness and want to spear you to death. It's it just is what it is. Uh, so if you want to go to the game, I, I I mean it's going to be one of those games you're going to want to be at when the season starts coming up. You're like, God, this is great. Uh, but travel in groups <laughs> um, and just uh, be mindful of not uh, not hollering back at people hollering at you because there will be plenty of uh, of porch hollerers. Uh, Ready to or, you know, ready to go get you. And beware yeah. of the uh, the the Hicksville peeing bush. <laughs> what is it? What is the stadium like? Is it a dump? Is it beautiful? Is it somewhere in between? It is not. Okay, so it is not beautiful. Okay. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but there is an energy in big games that is gorgeous in its own right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I don't care. like, like, uh, Mitchie stadium army, right? West point gorgeous state. Like, that's just gorgeous. Right. That's like a bucket list destination. I, I somehow, some way want Notre Dame to, to figure out a way to play there just cause it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. This, that is not, that is not this, this is, 
and this isn't like Knoxville either. Like he, like he mentioned, this isn't like Tennessee stadium uh, where there is a, like a, a really cool look with the checkerboards and, and, and maybe because of the bright orange, it's a little more drabby. Um, but it's, I don't know, man, it's, it, it's a, it's a big time college football Midwest stadium uh, in the shape of a horseshoe uh, with a bunch of rabid fans. And if it's a big game, they, they want to get after it. It's going to be the first game of the season. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be off the fucking chain. So, well, yeah. And I was just thinking Notre Dame is, did it's Irish wear green. Um, Penn state has the, the whiteout. It's, does Ohio state have any kind of gimmicks that, that they pull with their fans? Um, I think they've done a blackout before. Okay. That's it. I don't really know that all that I've never been to. I mean, look, I haven't been down to a house state game in over a decade as it is. Anyways, I'm just, so, I mean, it, it, things, things, this, things this, are probably different. Right. This game doesn't need more hype. I just, I'm just curious. No, so. no, no. It's I look, they'll, they'll do some things. It'll, it'll be, it'll be hyped up and, and, and ready to go. So if, if you want to go, go, I'm just saying be, it's going to be more like traveling to Miami and that kind of nonsense than it was traveling to Georgia. I guess it's just a better way to put it. A shorter, certainly a shorter way to put it. <laughs> uh, now, Josh, you just did out of conference for the next decade or so yeah. um, road trip, you know, sort of road trips. If, if you were living in Knoxville, is there one that you can recall off the top of your head that you'd say, Oh, I would go to that. Um, I'd go watch Notre Dame play there. It, Instead of Columbus, for this season? No, just for anything that you uh, might have written written about for the next ten years. Oh, um, I think the swamp. Um, definitely yeah, that's be interesting. Yeah, it's uh, which is not a really a, if you talk to Florida fans, it's not a really pleasant experience, anyways. Um, yeah, but I but I mean that just seems like a like a fun thing. I was actually going to talk to you a little bit about that, Jude, on the pod come, uh, here in a bit. Oh, nice. There was, one, there, was, there was one thing I had noticed out of the schedule that stood out pretty hard that I thought was pretty dope. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to more of that. Okay. But yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Florida definitely is a – if you're traveling to an away game, that away game in the future is would be pretty fun. Hell, going, if you're in Knoxville, it's a, it's a short drive up to Bloomington. Uh, <laughs> you might have a, 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 a fun time. Uh, or easier time anyway. So uh, this next question he has though, is uh, this tough, it's tough, dude. It's tough. Okay. Number two, number two, if you were offered a NIL deal to become a Michigan or Michigan state fan, how big would it have to be? You would have to be fully vested Walmart gear and all. So he gives okay. you the option of Michigan, Michigan state, which right. seems easy to me. Okay, so I got famously uh, grilled pretty hard on. I wrote an article for One Foot Down in 2017 about the price I would I would sell my Notre Dame Georgia tickets for, and people were like, "There's no amount." So I, I'm going to start this conversation <laughs> by saying that some people are going to hate me for my answer, but I think if if you were saying to me that you could I could take care of my family financially for the rest of their their existences, I would definitely take that. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't half. know. If, I I don't know if there's an NIL deal that 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 that's lucrative. That lucrative, but um, 
yeah, I would I would sell out my fandom to 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 take care of my family, and I I know that that is going to hurt the heart of people, and some people are probably going to come after me and say that I'm not a real fan and there's no amount of money, but I I just think you know I I remember with the Georgia game, like people were buying tickets that were that if you if you sold two tickets, you could have taken your family to Disney that year. I mean that's no that's no small feat, right? And so for people no. who have to decide between going to a football game, which by the way, was a great game and probably a lifelong memory for a lot of people that went to that game and taking their family of four to Disney. Like I, to me, the, it was, it was obvious, but um, other people felt differently. So I would say, yeah, take care of my family for the, for the rest of, you know, our existences and, and, and my kids existences. And I, I def, I, I'll, I'll buy all the skunk bear shit you want me to buy. I'm yeah, I, I would definitely like be at least half. I don't, I don't need it for the rest of the, my kids' existences. Hopefully, they can take care of themselves. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But but I mean, I'm like, I love. I mean, look, I've been blogging since 2006, right? There's there's a there's a there's an obvious love there. I don't know what to, I don't know how else to prove myself to any of you about how deep it is. But let me tell you about money. it's pretty cool (laughs) money is pretty cool it is pretty fucking important and there is a whole lot more that i need that i don't have even at this moment your offer if you offered me 70 grand to swap right now i'd probably take it 70 grand you may say oh that's what why not i feel like all right i just i (laughs) yeah i mean jesus christ i mean it's a I, I don't know what to tell you. Money is king in this universe. My family is the most important thing to me to be in the world, not Notre Dame or Notre Dame football. So what's going to help out better? You know, whatever. So I, here, I'm not here, I don't. Here, here's why I include my kids in this. And I know and your point's well made, but here's why I include my kids in this. Uh, I feel like some sort of karmic retribution for finally selling out my fandom. And like two days later, I die in some horrific car accident or something like that. God forbid. Right. And then everyone's like, he sold his fandom and he died two days later. That's why you don't do shit like that. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah, but you still have that cash, right? That gets, that's, I mean, it's going to get taxed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is it's gonna, you're going to get the double tax on it, but did, I mean, did I get lump sum or did I get annual payments? I guess I got to figure that out too. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, capital gains is going to trip you up there, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, good question. No, I good got, question. I got no problem selling out my fandom as much as deep of my love is. Money is money. Now I like the option that he gave me for Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah, I was gonna say Catholic. I'll take Michigan State if I get yeah. to, if I get to choose. He, he should have just stayed. He should have stayed hardcore and just been like Michigan. Right. Uh, it, I don't think my answer would change at all. But uh, I definitely get an easier out with Sparty. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If Notre Dame no longer existed, Sparty's not a bad choice if you like chaos, right? If you just like like weirdness and chaos and like and just want to sit back and enjoy college football, Sparty might not be too bad of a choice because there's always some weird shit, right? And you would never be seen as a bandwagon fan. I mean, who the fuck just go unless you're from Michigan and you your family just has an unhealthy uh, or or healthy hatred of, of the university of Michigan, who the fuck just becomes a Michigan state fan. 
So, uh, yeah, that'd be weird. It's like yeah. it's not quite on Purdue levels of strange you, fandom. You saw, you saw Mateen Cleaves in the uh, Final Four. And decided to go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You thought you thought Jeff Smoker to Charles Rogers was just like I was going to say Charles Rogers uh, was your favorite. Uh, wide receiver for the Lions growing up or something. I don't even know. You saw the 1988 Rose Bowl, uh, Spartans <laughs> and Trojans, and uh, man, Greek history is awesome. And I don't know. So. Saw the movie 300 too many times. <laughs> I don't yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe maybe you were painting on six packs uh, with with an airbrush. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but man, I thanks. really do appreciate the, yeah, the, for the review, review with five stars. And, and uh, again, leave that over at uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I swear to God, I'm going to read it on the next OFT podcast. Let's let's hit them up. Whew. Can we talk about Notre Dame football, Jude? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I had I had Greg on on the uh, Twitter spaces. Okay. And I, I felt Greg's edginess, and I've noticed his comments <laughs> elsewhere about uh, – people that don't uh, like spring football and he's, which is just, you know, code for Josh Voles. I hate, I can't stand spring football. And the older I get, the more I shout it. Not that I don't understand the importance of it all. I always feel like I got to sell it to everybody. Like you, if you don't get it, then you don't get it. It's just like, whoop, shit. There goes my microphone. Uh, <laughs> it's, there's just so much stuff in the past. We know like there's so much stuff that we're going to talk about a spring that has no meaning whatsoever for the season. And it's fine, but there are some things that we can take from it for sure. One of the things that I asked Greg about was there's, there seems to be a shift in philosophy moving forward with McCullough as the running backs coach with running backs. And rather than, you know, being patient, finding the hole with the blockers, you know, kind of basically Kyron Williams style of running. Right. McCullough wants them to hit the fucking hole, hit it hard. Follow, follow your, follow where your lime are at and just fucking go. As I was telling Greg, as like a, as an older fan, I guess, uh, an older fan of football that has like one of those appeals. Like when we hire a defensive coordinator and they're like, Oh, we're going to be aggressive as shit and go after him and blah, blah, blah. Blitz like hell <laughs> that has that same appeal, right? Like I've like, yeah, hit the fucking hole and let's go. Um, as a, as a early nineties football player, that's more my forte you know, after I, you know, the last 25 years, you know, has moved into so much, zone, you know, so much zone blocking schemes where basically that's what most people do. I am. So I have a little bit of a hard on for hearing. Let's just fucking hit the hole hard and go. Do you got any feelings about that? Yeah, that's, what, that's so what's coming. I like I, I, I don't think enough has talked about the cumulative effect. Right. Which is like that you hit the hole and maybe the first couple of the first 10 times. And so it's a uh, negative one, zero, one or two yard gain. Right. And people are screaming and saying the run game doesn't work and stop doing that. And, you know, they got to they got to do more and this or whatever. But then the, their quarter, man, those guys have been lined up and they just they're getting their, they're getting their ass kicked on every single play. And the line is just pushing on them. And the running back is pounding on them too. And then all of a sudden it's just, they're starting to wear on them. Right. And then all of a sudden you've got opportunity um, where the guys are being, are being worn down, especially with the, the, the less conditioned teams, or maybe if the, 
the the weather's hot. So I, I actually kind of love the philosophical thought of let's just let's pound pound madam and fall forward and you know three yards in a cloud of dust, right? You have an Audric Estime on your team. Yeah. I would like that to be a focus, not just a, not a, him as a feature back, but a, a point that, uh, uh, that I, I think was made on the Irish Illustrated podcast was you watched Logan Diggs last year and trying to do the Kyron Williams, you know, running. It worked well on defenses that were not good, but against good defenses that he just – he is he was not as good as Kyron at, at doing that. And maybe that gets better with time, um, you know, because it, it is a bit of an art form when you're doing zone blocking and, you know, and, and being patient with your blockers and all that. And there's a and look, there's a difference, too, just because you're 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 running straight, you're running hard to the hole doesn't mean that, you know, when you get to that, you get six, seven yards that you're not lining up a block either, to you know, to cut back. I mean, it's, all that stuff, all that stuff goes together. But I, I do like I do like the fact that that we have some backs that can move, and I think like even a Chris Tyree, right? Like instead of having him have him being not moving as fast as he can, move the fastest man as fast as he can. He's the fucking gingerbread man. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he's either gonna hit the hole and be gone or be stuffed, and it's like what's the difference between that and taking an extra five seconds as he as he has to move laterally, you know, a couple more yards. So, right. So the, I'm kind of the, excited about the, that. The thought here, the thought obviously is that if the offensive line, the the big boys can set up blocks for them or set up running lanes or whatever, then he doesn't have to create them himself. But I, I, I think you play with the personnel that you have. And I think your point is well made about if you have an Audrey estimate, don't ask him to, to dance behind the line or work east west it just that's not that's not going to be uh what he's what he's built for and so let's let's start hitting people right and, it, and it's and it's something for your offensive line too right like there, there's a difference in there's a difference in your zone blocking and your run blocking as far as like the aggressive level of how you're blocking plus like i don't think with estimate that you would run the same i it's just the line can block the same way for the who regardless of who's back there like, like it, it would feel like a like a shift from like a from a Tyree or a you know to an estimate right like like I, I think you would try yeah it's I just this seems more like let's go out and do our thing like if we're if we're if we're bigger more physical uh tougher and have great great technique and know what the hell we're doing we should be able to to move the ball just fine. So I don't know that that excites me. What doesn't excite me is the fact that I spent like 20 minutes today trying to find out if Joe Wilkins was actually injured or if it was a fucking <laughs> April Fool's Day joke, which wouldn't be funny anyway because April Fool's Day jokes are terrible. All yeah. Around. Um. Look, I'm just generally distrustful of, of people and things that I read on the Internet. But um, our we had a local school district announce that it was the victim of a cyber security breach and they lost seven hundred fifty nine thousand dollars to hackers. And it's like, could you have announced this yesterday or 
Monday because I honestly, like when I read it, I was like, is this someone's sick idea of, of an April Fool's joke? Because this is just not, this is not funny, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. And I, I feel the same exact way when you read like injury news or, you know, somebody says, hey, follow this link. And it turns out to be a Rickroll or whatever. You're just like, all right, could I just, could you have just given me the information I was looking for, you know? Yeah, it's it's terrible. So, but back to the Wilkins. So he is hurt. Like he did have surgery. So as far as I as far as far as I can tell, on April first, and so there's no more Joe Wilkins for spring ball. So we are we are down <laughs> quite a bit of bodies uh, at wide receiver. Um, so a couple things there. Number one, uh, we just got done talking about our love of just hitting the whole running. Guess what you're going to get in the spring game? A whole lot of that. Um, it's just, it's not good. It it feels like there's just that this was avoidable uh, with better, just some better recruiting tactics. Um, like, I don't know, getting more than one in this last class. Well, but also, also I, I was going to say also at the same time, we were going to have to hit the portal regardless, right? Like no matter what we Post spring, there's an expectation of Notre Dame having to get a wide receiver or two anyway. So this doesn't really change any of that. Um, I think it just highlights the need for bodies more than ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent probably a month tracking every single day the the wide receivers, and I finally gave up because it was it was obvious to me that Notre Dame was not looking in the transfer portal in a way that I was looking at the transfer portal for, for wide receivers. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that they picked up Brandon Joseph and Blake groupie, but uh, you know, I, there was some good wide receivers that had materialized on the market that would have been um, great to have bring in for spring ball. And now it's sort of like you're waiting for somebody to get disenchanted with their program and uh, hoping against hope that no other guys get injured or, or, you know, have second thoughts about your program. It's just, it's a terrible place to yeah. be in. And, you know, we, we mentioned Dal Alexander earlier, but, you know, I hate to blame the guy who's not here anymore, but this, this is a, this is a, just these whiffs and recruiting are, have started adding up and, and now we have an injury and it's just, it's become untenable and I'm, you know, great, great for Matt Salerno to be on, on scholarship, but I mean, we, he didn't realize he was going to be a featured player. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I was telling Greg, I was telling Greg this too, is that, uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I had fretted over a low star three or low three star player, uh, <laughs> in a Martin Walker since like, like 2004, like that's, I mean, that, that's the level put out, you know, this past cycle with just getting one. And look, I, I like Tobias Merriweather a lot. Like I fucking, I think he's going to be excellent, but that doesn't mean that missing, like not having CJ Williams and Amaria Walker in the fold doesn't hurt. And I'm not sure if either of those two, I'm not sure who, who was eligible for spring and roll years. Not anyway. So, I mean, the spring wouldn't may not look as much as different, but at least you'd have more of a plan in place for the season. Because I mean, I think your front, I think your frontline guys are your frontline guys, but you still need 
a bit but more. You, but you are you are acrobats without a without a safety harness, right? And you right. and you and by the way, you just started acrobat school not too long ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Just seems like it's it's going to blow up spectacularly. Yeah, spectacularly. Ooh, this could be a tough one tonight, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, it doesn't. Notre Dame doesn't seem to be panicky. Like one of the, I'm not sure if I wrote it or not, but I I, I know I've met, I know I've at least mentioned it and alluded to it. But I this winter I kind of expected because of this wide receiver situation for them to like kind of like hands up in the air, like move Xavier Watts back to wide receiver. Nope. Like they, definitely that is not, not happening. They, they are definitely not doing that. So. No, no. And, oh, and you and, know what? Think I, that's, that's a net positive for Xavier Watts. Cause he didn't, no, he absolutely, didn't, absolutely. He doesn't deserve to be jerked around like that. So no, no, it's, I mean, Avery Davis, I guess, you know, got jerked around like that quite a bit. Uh, but no, I, I mean, it's definitely good for Xavier Watts, but but it's still a situation like whether it's good for the kid or not, like the fact that they didn't do it shows that they maybe they aren't feeling as desperate as we believe them to be, which means maybe they got maybe there's a plan that we don't know about. Maybe there's yeah. a a double probation. Uh, I don't know. But well, I mean, something in, seems in, like they, there's more of a plan in place than, than what we're giving them credit for. And in, in Chad, we trust. Right. Hopefully. You know, I think that uh, <laughs> we expect them to whether saw, it's recruiting or promoting from within. We we expect some, something to happen here. Well, I saw a, a Texas A&M wide receiver at the portal. Uh, I think it was like Demond Demas, okay. uh, pretty pretty big time uh, wide receiver when he went to A&M. But uh, I was like, oh, and I kind of had a raised eyebrow for a second, and then I was like, oh yeah, he was suspended for. Something, some kind of behavior. Yeah, that's not gonna. They're not gonna get be able to get that transfer. <laughs> Yikes. We're we're not the rehab school. We're the school you have to go rehab from. Uh, so, <laughs> so I don't know. Like the, the list of names you had on the on who went into the transfer portal, there was a handful of of quality guys that that regardless of Notre Dame's transfer rules, Notre Dame could get. And yeah, and I thought none of that somebody with them, but that didn't happen either. So, yeah, yeah. None of that materialized. Um, So maybe there's I don't know, maybe. Right. There's the the post spring stuff. Maybe that. uh, I don't know. I I don't know how many times I can say I don't know, but I have no (laughs) idea what the fuck they're doing with the wide receiver. And I'm trying to I'm trying not to like obsess over it because it's again, my philosophy of spring football is who cares? But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, what is every going to is is Wilkins going to be healthy? Is Davis going to be healthy? Is everybody going to be ready to go in the season? And then is everybody going to be healthy enough to move forward? Is Deion Colsey going to step up? Is Tobias Merriweather going to produce as a freshman? Like, there's there's a lot of what ifs there, and you're, you're dealing yeah. and you're going to be dealing with a first with a, you know with a first time starting quarterback, one way or another. I mean, I, I think this whole notion of a of a quarterback competition is pretty ridiculous because uh, I don't believe there is one. But just for Notre Dame's argument's sake that there is one, doesn't matter either if it's Pine or Buckner. You're still dealing with a first time starter uh, with some with not a whole lot of wide receivers to to work with there. So right, yeah, that gets 
So I take the it's o- a little heavy. Take, that's, take that's the like, over on Michael Mayer catches, whatever they set the line at, and take it. So <laughs> Yeah, it's like like what do you mean we need more receivers? We need more tight ends. <laughs> Just put more out there. Mitchell Evans played as a freshman. Kane Baron played as a freshman. Hell, I think Baron's hurt this uh this spring, so mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean if Reese wants to roll out another <laughs> rather four tight end formation, I'm all for it. We're here for it. Go ahead. We're here for it. Yeah. I mean, or Jude, you I mean, you know what they could do. I'm listening. The only log the only logical thing. T formation? Have, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely it's the only logical it's the only logical way to go and look, Ty, look Tyree you know it makes an excellent tee back back there because of his pass catching abilities so does Braden Lindsay can be used in that regard so does Avery Davis so it's not like you're not being able to, the T formation can be so diverse if you break yourself from the shackles of what you think it of what you think it is Tommy Reese, hear my prayer. I mean, maybe we do a Xavier Watts as Jeff Burris type thing. Just thinking aloud here. Thinking aloud. Just, just saying, the T formation can solve a lot of these problems. <laughs> solve a lot of them. And look, there's there's two actual guys on the roster right now listed at fullback. Fuck out of here. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's, I mean. So that has me excited for spring football. Just an, and the names are good. Like, isn't one of them like a Linda Cott? That sounds like a fucking a Nebraska fullback. Yeah. If, if his first name's Mike, I think that's even better too. Mike Lindicott? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't it sound like a fullback's name, Mike Lindicott. Ugh, yeah, I don't, don't fuck with Mike Lindicott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of them is listed on the roster as number fifty. Uh, okay. No, 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 no. It's not Linda Cott. Number 50 fullback sophomore from Omaha, Nebraska. Nice. Barrett Liebentritt. Okay. Well, that doesn't strike me as much. That's, as the, that's very Nebraska. That's still very Nebraska. And then, oh yeah. And then Davis Sherwood, uh, who, uh, gets the, uh, Barrett Liebentritt sounds like a country music star in the making though. He's, Barrett Liebentritt. He sounds like he, he sounds like he should be in uh, the sound of music. And then um, Davis, Sh- Davis Sherwood, Davis Sherwood. Yeah. First name, last name, yeah. or last name, first name <laughs> from a good old, good council. So, nice town in New York, New Jersey. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So you get a, you get a Jersey fullback and a Nebraska fullback by the names of Davis Sherwood and Barrett Liebentritt. Liebentritt. Uh, and oh, oh, this is your new Aaron's burger. Ah, uh, dude. I mean, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there's there. a whole off. There's a whole off season to to create uh, a, a strange universe. Uh, but we're gonna get there. We're definitely gonna get there. By the way, we have no uh, we have no choice. I'm not the first person to uh, point this out, but I absolutely love that Blake Groupie wears 99 and he is five foot seven. And 150 pounds, and Riley Mills also wears 99, and he is six foot five, 283. Pounds. Those two should be doing like stepbrother picks, like nonstop. <laughs> yes. Like nonstop. Yes. Like the difference between 150 and 283 is 133. It is almost an entirely other. Blade. Yeah, he, Riley Mills is Riley basically Mills. one and you know 
1.8 Blake groupies. <laughs> <laughs> we should start. We should start uh, measuring every person on the roster. On, on the groupie many, scale? Uh, yeah, on the groupie scale. Like, how many groupies are they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 150. That kid's, uh, never gonna lay, that kid's never going to lay wood on anyone. 150. Listen, for I want to see that kid walk into like a a South Bend, uh, just like American Legion, full of old veteran Notre Dame fans, uh, that don't use the internet and have no idea, and have him walk in there and explain that he is a scholarship football player, uh, for Notre Dame, and just and, to see their faces. And then he's twenty four uh, years old, even though he looks sixteen. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be like uh, it'd be like the kicker from uh, uh, from the replacements. Wouldn't he the one that would just drink everybody under the fucking table? You know, I don't think I've ever seen the replacements. The Keanu Reeves movie with Gene Hackman. Get the fuck out of here! No, I don't think I've ever seen it. You know what? Too, I I, I was talking about this the other day. As 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 many times as I've quoted uh, Varsity Blues in my life, I don't believe I've ever actually seen Varsity Blues all the way through. Holy shit. I haven't seen the I mean, program. I, I feel like I'm I, I gotta I gotta sit down and do a marathon of uh 1990s uh football movies. Although I have seen Necessary Roughness a million times. I love Necessary Roughness. Oh absolutely. Roughness. But that was hell that was late eighties. Was that? I thought it was early nineties for some reason. Oh I th- yeah, it had to be like eighty nine. Yeah. Kathy Ireland. Oh my God, you, you, the things you've you, the thing about uh, Keanu Reeves as a quarterback in um, in Hollywood, I think in both in both Point Break as Johnny Utah and in the replacements, I think he was a former Ohio State quarterback. Oof. Which makes which makes sense that a former Ohio State quarterback is doing anything past Ohio State that's not in the NFL. <laughs> oh. So true. <laughs> <laughs> I I can say that because we 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 lost a lot of room on that on our own end. <laughs> hey, speaking of former Notre Dame quarterbacks, so I was listening to uh, to Andy and Ari. Okay. Or maybe it was just maybe it was just Ari's uh, recruiting show because he was talking about uh, uh, Notre Dame's recruiting Dante Moore and this and that blah blah. blah. But he kind of like gave, he kind of gave a little bit of a flex that he predicted that Ian that Ian he was I predicted that Ian Book would throw an interception in his first game, and he said it like a flex, and then he made a joke about his first pass being one. How big of a flex is that to say that a rookie quarterback's first game he's going to throw an interception in the NFL? Doesn't that seem pretty fucking likely? I don't think I don't think that's a flex at all. Yeah. No, that's the like like he said that like that's a flex like oh his first game that he starts he's gonna throw an interception. I would I mean, exp- pretty well every I quarterback think, every I think Ian I think Ian Books needs needs to be a little bit more worried about the signing of Andy Dalton than he needs to be worried about whatever Ari's saying on a on a podcast. But I I 100 agree with you like that's not you didn't you didn't go off on a limb there. Uh, it's kind of crazy. No, like it's it just seems like that's a weird thing you want to flex about. Like I mean, look, trashing Notre Dame and and Notre Dame player, former Notre Dame players, is a is a 
time honored tradition uh, by others as an easy way to to bond uh, with non Notre Dame people. But it's just like that seems like the most basic of basic things to predict about a, a rookie quarterback. Like, yeah, I predict he'll struggle in his first start. <laughs> completing fewer than 50 percent of his passes <laughs> now 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 throw in the fact that uh his line uh was basically non-existent and there you go yeah. uh, anyways so let's talk about recruiting jude you've kind of been off the dms a little bit lately so the gold throne of dante moore <laughs> yeah i did see that what do you think buddy I thought it was awesome. I thought I thought it was very cool that they decided to, you know, just like uh, actually, I thought the Demetrius Robinson thing was cool, where they had sent the the uh, the, the truck semi, down to his, yeah, yeah, the, the semi down to his truck. Like you got to go above and beyond with the with the with the with the program defining, program changing type recruits, and um, I, I, you know, look. Dante Moore clearly um, has great and amb- high ambitions, and his father's talking. Uh, his father's his mouth is dust off checks. that spot. <laughs> his father's mouth is writing uh, checks. His body, Dante Moore's body, might not be able to cash, but I am all here for it. I am all here for it. So um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was it. It shows once again that guys will you know they'll get excited about a project and they'll go the extra effort just to make a, a a recruit feel like he's he's special and anyone who's like this is not keeping with our catholic tradition can go shut the fuck up oh gee I mean, shut just, the fuck up I, I don't know i don't know what you want i don't know like sit down <laughs> sit down please uh, sit down sir you're embarrassing hey, hey, you, you mean the Catholic tradition of of uh, <laughs> of we, what? We've, we've uh, let me tell you a, how how ostentatious are Catholic churches, Jude? I was going to say I don't we've know. never been an ostentatious. That's that's not us. No, no, never, never would we uh, would we cover gold on things. Yeah. Um, so shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to Bo Savage, the art director at Notre Dame Football, because I think he was uh, a big part of. Um, Did you see the students and- that built it? Yeah, him and um, yeah. Landon Yout, who's the uh, recruiting and scouting analyst, right? He was involved as well. So um, I love how rudimentary that chair was. Like they, like they, they yeah, they it in prob- the bare bones. They probably, yeah, they probably were like sitting it gen, gen, gingerly because we don't actually know <laughs> if this will support a human body weight. Like we had Blake Groupie in here, uh, but he's a little yeah, exactly. We tested with Blake Groupie, this, but not so much this, Riley this, Mills. This chair, this chair fits a 1.25 Blake groupies. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I thought that was cool that Notre Dame even did that. Like they're like, hey, let's show you how, let's show you what we how we did this. Because like the picks were absolutely fucking hot fire. They did that for more, and I can imagine now, like, now that it's there, that's gonna be, the next recruits coming in are like, I want those picks. You know what I mean? Like that, which is which makes it that much cooler because now it's it's one of those check it off the list kind of things. Like when recruits go on visits now, they all want the picks, right? No yeah, matter of course. what. Like Keon Keeley down Ohio State got him some fire picks with um, with uh, uh, with Montgomery from Finley uh, while he was down there on his visit. I mean, this just this is what these guys do now. Yeah. Here's the hot thing: they busted it out for more, 
now, you know, when, when Peyton Bowen comes back or, or Keon Kelly, when he, I mean, these guys are going to want to be on that throne, that throne's going to get used some more. Uh, and that's dope. That, that's a, that's a good look for Notre Dame. That, that shows you the effort as well, However you look at recruiting or think about recruiting, just know that Notre Dame is putting in the effort. Even if you think this is meaningless, it is, this is a ton of effort, a ton of thought into trying to make these things special to sell the university and the football program to these kids. Yeah. I mean, maybe you were on Twitter more than, than me and, and King. And I thought that the reaction from even outside the Notre Dame world was like, that's fire. They, there wasn't any like, and I hate to bring him up, but like, there wasn't any like, Oh, is that, is that an old man grinding on a five-star recruit? Uh, well, strobe light plays. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think this was universally thought of as as a cool idea, um, and obviously Dante was into it, which is which is the whole point, right? So, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The only negative comment that I agree with is that I wish at least one pick was took without the helmet on. Uh, yes, like, a, lot of these, a lot of Notre Dame's... It was interesting to me because I would think that Dante Moore wants to distinguish himself a little bit with, you know, because it, it, it reminded me of those, you know, when they do those like teasers for the for the new uniforms or whatever. And they're clearly right. dressing up uh, a guy who's in their office that happens to be black, but isn't it actually a football player? <laughs> and, and, fit, and, and a little fit. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I was surprised. I, I keep seeing that, too, at Notre, at Notre Dame, especially not. You see some of that at some other places, but. There's there. You don't see a whole lot of the recruit picks without a helmet on. Um, well, maybe that's, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I, that, that was, that was the one negative that I was like, you should have had one pick with his helmet off. At least I love the uh, one where he's got his foot up on the golden helmet. He's oh got God. His yeah. Hand look like, like he's like thinking or sleeping. And then he's got the freaking Heisman trophy across his lap. I mean, that is just this badass. Yeah, that's like that's one thousand percent totally badass. That's that's and good. And, and by the way, he's wearing number five, which is like to me, it just it evokes such good memories of like you know Manti Teo. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to oh, be I thought, more, more I thought like Everett Coulson or whatever. I thought you were gonna say you're a big Paul Felia fan. Oh, yes, Paul Horning. Uh, yeah, Paul Felia. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was all about. But goal line, goal line quarterback for for uh, Kevin McDougal. Yeah, finished his career at IUP. Indiana oh, did he ever finish? Yeah, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, Dante Moore does. He looks good, man. He look he looks great. It's just, you know, it, so. It, Help me out here. I, I am following this closely because you know you know me about with recruiting. Dante Moore yeah. over under committing uh, sometime this month. <laughs> I okay. I'm a long pause here because I'm I I really don't want to say the wrong thing because I feel like in this recruitment people are taking it things out. I think he's done the. 
before the end of this month. Okay. Maybe he's done he next week. Maybe he's. I, I, I don't so think it's going to extend if past. I t- if I told you, if I gave you Notre Dame and the field, you would take Notre Dame, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely if you're okay. giving me the, against the field. All right. And then so Notre Dame. Committed to Notre Dame. As far as as far as within the month of April, like if within the month of April, be, it could be April. Yeah, 30th if it's not going to be Notre Dame. Yeah, if it's not going if it, if it's not going to be Notre Dame, it'll be somebody else. It won't be in the month of April. Okay. This is what I guess is a better way for me to say that. But yeah. I I'm ninety percent. I'm ninety percent good vibes that that Notre Dame ends up landing more. Um, it's been a funny recruitment, and it's been a funny. Very funnily reported commitment by the B by recruiting services. Um, right. So this, some, this, of that, some of that has to do with 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 more and and how he wants to handle it, but it, it's not the typical. It's just not typical. So l- let's talk about this for a second because this actually really fascinates me. Right. Um, we had something similar with Blake Wesley, where where Wesley, I don't know if he had an announcement ready to go. Mike Bray makes some comments on a. I think at a radio station or some sort of television program, um, you know, uh, Tom Noy from the from the South Bend Tribune literally writes up Mike Bray's comments. And, you know, and Blake Wesley tweets at him and says, can you delete this, bro or bruh? Right. And <laughs> yeah, that was like a funny as hell. And so there's this there's this push pull that happens right with between letting a guy have his moment um, and also a responsibility as journalists to provide, especially when you're when you're charging for subscriptions, to provide premium Accurate or insider inf- information, right? So right. you want to you, um, and then you get some sort of weird pressure from from the person saying, "Hey, the kid wants to keep this quiet, so we don't want to we don't want to lose him over this. So can you help us out, right?" And so you just sort of you become sort of this weird auxiliary part of the whole recruitment where you're trying to give you're trying to give you're trying to hint at the information but you're also trying to respect the kid and respect the the people your sources who don't want you to be too like i don't know out there about it too forward about what you know yeah exactly which is funny because the person driving this train is a 17 year old kid. Right. And so a bunch of adults are, are bowing to the winds of a 17 year old kid and they sort of have to, because there's really no, there's really no other way. They to got no other, do op- they've got no other option. There's really no other way to do this. The easiest, the easiest way for you as a, as a, as a recruiting reporter to fuck up your contacts at high schools is to piss off recruits by putting information out there that they don't want out there. Like, and, and I'm not saying I, I'm not, like stuff like that. Like they have, and I'm not saying that, that more has done that. I just kind of stepping around a little bit, but yeah, no people, people recruiter report, re- recruiter reporters that are, that are posting premium information on a paid message board are operating at a different level than, uh, than uh, the Ben Smith of the Fort Wayne journal Gazette who is retired now. Uh, <laughs> it's just, or Dean Pantazzi or whatever. It, the, the, where their allegiance is more to, is to what they know. And they're sharing that as journalists, recruiting reporters have a different allegiance, which is to let their, their paid 
subscribers know what's up, but also to not fuck up the recruitment by doing something that pisses them off. That would like, look, and you think that's not going to happen. Like look at Eddie Vanderdose got pissed off because on signing day, his name was on a list. And more than anything else was the reason why he ended up at UCLA. That pissed him off enough. I just, I, I can't, this, so, this, this, like, this kills me. The idea that Eddie Vanderdose felt so committed to a school and yet the slightest, tr- what we would consider to be trivial, ruining of his moment soured him so greatly that he was like, fuck that academic, that four for 40 thing. Fuck going to South Bend in the middle of the winter. Like I was cool with all of that until you released my name four you, hours early. But you said it yourself, Jude. You said it yourself. 17, 18 year old kids. Yeah, it, it just look, and that's not to not that's not to say that a, like a seventeen year old you say oh they're immature because they're fucking young. You're immature till you're like twenty five. That's why car rental companies give you a better deal when you turn <laughs> twenty five. It's not rocket science here. It's it's fine, but yes, that but it's those type of things that can affect recruitment. And, and the worst thing a a guy on the beat recovering recruiting can do is be a negative part of the recruiting of a player. That's the I worst ha- thing. I that- absolutely agree. But like, I, I would just, it, if it's got to feel weird to be a 20 something oh. dude, you know, year old dude or whatever, or even maybe Tom Loya is, you know, what I assume is in his thirties and being like, yeah. I'm, I literally decide, I, I literally pull things back or keep things from people or couch things more than I would have. Well, um, I mean, because I don't, I don't want to be part of this recruitment. It's crazy. So, well, let me, let me ask you this. Is it, is it really all that weird? So is it, is it, I mean, think, say a political reporter in DC up yeah. on the Hill. All right. Think of how much stuff that they know that they don't report because of either things they're working on or, or contacts they're trying to keep, you know what I mean? Like the people in the know, know way more than the, a lot of journalists that are in the know, know way more than what they put out there. Cause if they put everything out there, they know they wouldn't know anything anymore. And so it's no, not that I don't, I don't no, know. That's, that's, that's fair. That except it, it, it's not, it's usually not one person being the choke point. Right. And so sure. recruitments are different because, um, <laughs> They just it's so it's so crazy that this the 17 year olds hold all this weird power. And then you wonder why they can't they can't uh, adjust, you know, and just say like, oh, you're just now you're just one of 85. Like we treated you. We literally treated you with kid gloves throughout your whole recruitment. And now um, now you're just a piece of meat for us. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's amazing that this got so uh, so incredibly like the tail is literally wagging the dog on this whole thing. Right. I get it. I I totally get it. I'm not blank. Like literally not. I love all these guys that, that are like hardcore about the recruiting. Um, it just, it just feels weird to me. It, it feels, Oh, for sure. It feels icky. Um, and I'm not blaming anyone for, for doing what they're, what they have to do because you know what? Tom Loy's got to eat too. Mike Singer's got to eat too. Like I'm totally fine with it, but it's just, it just like it's 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 crazy to me that if anyone else were like if if I were cutting a video, well maybe like a non-disclosure agreement or something like that. But if I was like cutting a video to like promote a film or a, like a like a new album dropping or whatever, it'd be really hard to keep that from people. 
right? It's just like there'd be just too many people involved. And yet a kid like cuts a commitment video like a month before he announces and then they like all roll it out. And everyone acts like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Look at this hot fire video. <laughs> literally, not only sometimes literally known about for a month, but some in, in some instances were present at the filming of or help produce or help or helps hook them up with an editor. I mean, it's just the, uh, it's, the just a, it's a strange world we're living in. Yeah. My yeah God, it's, a, yes. it's a, so another, there was another case similar. I think the big thing, like a, like a lot of people that follow recruiting are kind of scratching their heads a little bit on like, there's no 24 seven crystal balls for Dante Moore for anywhere, which isn't completely uncommon. But when most of the media is saying that he's leaning hard to, to a place, you think it would be a one or two, especially from the home site, and they're not. The only other time that I – listen, the only other time that I remember anything like that happening, something similar, was I believe with Rocco Spindler when he asked – when he, I think he asked 24-7 to lock the ball predictions up so no one could make any more predictions. And maybe there's something in the water with Michigan recruits, Rocco from uh, from Clarkson, Michigan, and Dante from Detroit. And that I don't know, uh, but I think this is just one of those uh, one of those things in the world, and especially in the recruiting world, that is probably just becoming more and more common. Is how a player and his family want their recruitment to play out. Not just how it operates, but how it is portrayed and um, and dissected. I mean, it's just and look, the, the ball is in their court. It really is because they're allowed it. Because if you want any access, you want to interview and like that, you got to play ball. You know, you know they're they're going to get recruited by Notre Dame, Michigan, you know, Florida, everybody else, regardless if you're playing ball or not. But if you want the, if you want the interviews, if you want the clicks, you want it. You know, you want to have the the scoop to get six articles up on the day I commitment commit. You're gonna to have to play ball a little bit, and it's been like that more. I, I it's just, been like that for a while. I think and it's funny that like that that Dante. Well, I, I'm not gonna pick on Dante because I don't I don't know his situation, but yeah. I I, can't, I think it's funny that any recruit a kid, kid who's in the middle of a recruitment where literally everyone is saying he's leaning hard, wink wink, or whatever, thinks that a crystal ball prediction takes away his shine. Like that takes away his moment. Like it, like who cares if some rando on the internet's like, yeah, of course, 24 seven had this like a month ago. Like I'm not surprised by this or whatever. Like, why do you even care? Just make a fire commitment video and then get psyched about the fact that you you're going to the school that you want to go to. I, I just, the, the, there's just too many people involved for the people not to talk about this. It's like literally the biggest thing that's happening in this kid's life. So whether it's the blabby uncle or, you know, sometimes it's even the parents. Sometimes it's, it's the kid, the kid himself, or the he high school coaches. Much, he says too or, much, and he wants to walk it back. And it's just yeah. like, I just, you know, this is what happens when when one person has too much information or to, to, holds the keys to the kingdom, and then everyone just says, "Well, if you fuck this up for me, I'm never going to give you access to the, you know, to story B, C, and D." Right? If you if you right. fuck up recruitment A, I just like it, it's. I mean. People are probably tired of hearing me hearing about the talking about this, but it's just it, it, I can't think of any other uh, color colorary um, out there where it's just like people like I don't know. 
I just I think it's crazy. So and everyone's kissing ass and and we're all just kumbayaing until hopefully he commits to, to Notre Dame and then we're gonna act like it's the biggest thing in the world even though we've been talking about it nonstop for <laughs> for months, you know? Because and, it is. By the way, it's, it's still gonna be it's still gonna be freaking huge because he's a five star, right? Right. It's 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 it is no matter how much we know, no matter how sure anybody is out there um, about about more ended up in Notre Dame. If if and when that happens, it's going to be a a just a a, a celebration. I remember when Jimmy Clausen committed, and I don't give a fuck about any of the other nonsense that everyone makes a deal out of. The the whole Hummer and announcing at the College Hall of Fame is completely tame compared to like half the shit that goes on. Uh, bad haircut aside, but I, when he commit the day he committed, I was doing shots in celebration. This is for Jimmy Clausen. This is for, I mean, just, I didn't give a shit. I was excited. That's a big time. That's a big time high school quarterback coming to your school. And that's how it should be. If, and when Dante Moore commits. So yeah, however it went down, however it went down. Um, but yes, it is, it is a strange time to live in and it's, <laughs> it, 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 there are, it is just nothing but head scratchers. <clears throat> this doesn't happen for three star wide receivers. And by uh, the way, we are, um, <laughs> we are, uh, worried about Notre Dame's kind of perceived lack of, um, being on the, the back edge instead of the front edge of this whole NIL world. And, and sort of the idea that the Irish players club had to come in and give, each player $3,000 because literally they couldn't, nobody could do any better because, because Notre Dame is just sort of like, well, we'll keep you eligible, but we won't actually help you <laughs> find deals or anything like that. And it's just, and meanwhile, which might be, this, which might be changing. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got this five-star kid who's like possibly legitimately excited about coming here and has heard the NIL pitch and, and is not running for the Hills or to Ohio state to, you know, make oodles more. So, well, well, and even, I mean, listen, even Ohio state, I, I know that I, I mean, I've made a little bit of a big deal about, about the uh, urban Meyer coming on as, as like a collective director or whatever, um, or what, whatever the fuck that is. But even talking to Matt Brown was kind of well, a little bit of an eye opener for me in that there's less, there, there's less of the big shit happening than what, what the perception is out there right now. Not because people don't want to, but because I think there's everyone needs to, everyone's trying to make sure what they can and can't do. And then again, I brought up the whole, you know, which fan bases have the stomach for it. The big ones that you're hearing about are from the fan bases that have, I don't want to say no scruples, but they absolutely have the fucking stomach for this stuff and have had it for <laughs> the better part of 50 years. Uh, so as far as Notre Dame's NIL situation and how they deal with it i do look for a a change in direction as far as how they handle it um how soon i don't know uh not soon enough um maybe for some of these guys but uh there's there'll be something there matt brown was like completely adamant that like look this shit could change next month just just in the way things are operating what's allowed and what's not allowed what ends up getting enforced you know all that stuff that was Listen, if you didn't listen to that episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it because it did change my mind about a few things that I had. Plus, um, it kind of gives you 
it'll make you feel better about Notre Dame's spot at all. Um, you know, you, you won't feel as drowned, um, as I kind of thought it it felt like coming off like the Carnell Tate situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that interview to everybody. Um, everyone's trying to find their way in this world and the rules are being written and rewritten and danced around. And Matt made a great point about it even depends on what state you're in, um, in terms of what, you know, what kind of flexibility you have. And, um, I, I, I give Matt a lot of credit for not trying to sit here and crystal ball where we're going to be in six months, because it is just, it's every, every time I open up an extra points, it feels like the, the landscape changed just a little bit, whether it's learning about a new collective or learning about, um, you know, the, what Matt's been concerned about, which is the, the, the financial end, which is the IRS, uh, implications and the fact that a lot of these students don't have, financial literacy to kind of understand what what they're doing in terms of these deals and what the tax implications are and what their rights they may be assigning to these collectives or to these or places. when he said how these collectives are trying to operate like charities like yeah, holy like, shit right you know and I, <laughs> that's like I that is so bad <laughs> i can't remember if he brought it up on the podcast or in an extra points newsletter but you know if if you're if you're saying to a kid yeah we're going to give you two million dollars a year um, but you know, we have, we have certain things and we, and by the way, we own you, um, that's going to limit, uh, the kid's ability. If he gets disenchanted with the, uh, with the program from, from moving on and, and capitalizing, maximizing his, his, uh, his NIL potential. And, and I, I think it's really interesting that sometimes these collectives are sort of acting autonomously. They're just sort of like, well, we know what's best for the Miami Hurricanes football program and fuck the head coach and screw the <laughs> athletic director and, you know, piss on the uh, the university president. Right. And so you sort of get in these situations where guys are going to be stuck in really bad deals and thinking, I got to stay at Miami to make my two million dollars. Um, but I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be here because I don't play. I don't play or I don't get along with the coach or, you know, right. I, hate, or, I hate Coral Gables or whatever, you know, so million things. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what collective is good for everybody, though? Yes. The Talk collective of the good of the good brand of the good home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Just this week, dropping a shirt straight out of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, if you are Ball a Ball State, State fan or. A fan of Close Encounters, you got the replica shirt from that movie that Richard Dreyfuss wore, the three quarters baseball shirt. It's a ama- it's awesome because it looks like you know my kid just drew that, but that's the exact <laughs> shirt that. <laughs> you know what I said? What I thought awesome. when I saw that? I I thought of our 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 old podcast co-host Bradley Wechter. I wonder what Brad's up to these days because he's he's a Ball State oh. alum, if I recall correctly. Yeah. No, Miami. Oh shit! Oops! Don't tell Miami, me I said yeah, that. Brad would be pit. Fuck. Yeah, that's not that's not a distinction <laughs> you would have messed up. That's, that's Miami, not cool. Ohio. That's not cool. Can you delete this? You could get away with you, you could get away with uh, you could get away with Ohio, <laughs> but I don't know about Ball State and Miami, Ohio. That's a. Ooh, those are fighting words. Hey, nobody, nobody tag Brad in this <laughs> podcast episode and tell him that I just made that huge error because he will probably. I had, I got his me. back on that one. I got Ooh, his back boy. on that. One. Yeah, but, no, it's cool, and I love Cross Encounters of the Third Kind. Have you seen? Have you seen that movie? 
No. Okay. But I've seen the program. <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Prison <laughs> Drive is, is fantastic in that movie. And I, I'm very excited about Homefield possibly getting into this weird uh, space of the Venn diagram of, um, you know, kind of archive old time uh, logos for colleges and also uh, film references because I, that's that's where I live. I live in the nexus of those two planes, so I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the program, I mean, what if they get some Eastern gear? Eastern or uh, God, the um, uh, Eastern State is that what the school? You're Jesus literally Christ, asking a person who who admitted 20 minutes ago he's never moved. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from that, but yeah, I mean, they could get some uh, dive into uh, to the film world and, and pull out some stuff because this this is amazing. I mean, this is absolutely on par with what uh, with what they do. Uh, and look, they ju- they just got done with uh, with Big New Saturday season number three, which was totally awesome. I am rocking my uh, my NC State uh, Howling Cow ice cream shirt, which is one. Uh, one of my favorites actually from the, from the whole, from the whole season for sure. It's, it is a little out there. Uh, and it's the only white one that they, they had in any of the big, uh, uh, the last two big new seasons anyway, or new Saturdays. So, yeah. Um, my, uh, my wife and my nine year old son are currently fighting over the, uh, the small home field, uh, t-shirts that have, uh, have arrived in our house. So it's a little awkward. To uh, see your son wear one to school, and then your then your wife's trying it on afterwards, saying, "Hey, this kind of fits me too." So uh, it's big on him, yeah. but he loves he loves the texture. He 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 literally asked me uh, after he wore the first one, "Can we get more of these?" And I said, "Well, buddy, they were on sale, so we'll have to wait for the next sale." And he said, "Is there is there a sale coming up?" And I said, "I don't know. I I don't work for the good brand, but uh, I'll I'll keep I'll keep an eye out." And obviously. If you use code one foot, you can get 15% off anytime you want. First, first order, first order, first order, first order. And they got uh, free shipping on orders over a hundred. So make that first order a doozy, you know, uh, Connor and Whitney were on uh, the extra points podcast last week or two weeks ago. Uh, I think maybe it was last week. They, they had them on there that, you know, they talked about the, uh, you know, the mad dash to get, uh, to get the licensee for St. Pete's um, for their, you know, awesome NCAA run. Uh, but just like, these are the people you want to help out in business. Like these are the, these are the people, these are the kind of people that if you're a college football fan, college basketball fan, um, like these, they, they get it. They get the, the whole athletics world as far and the whole thing about fandom. Um, so they try to make, you know, these products to, a, you know, for people like us. And they're fantastic, and they feel great. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm telling you, use the code Jew just gave you one foot. Just go get you a big old box of stuff. It's it, it's good stuff. And they they tweeted out a picture of like uh, of the Final Four shirts they were sending out, Jude. Yeah, but did you see what was on the bottom there in the front? Yeah, it was a <laughs> he's always like lur- he's always lurking around. I am. I do have a bone to pick with Homefield. For having a peacock joggers before a clash more mic instead of joggers, did not think that that Catholic school was yeah, going to get one before us. I was going to say they 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 struck where the proverbial iron was hot on that one. Holy cow! No, they're not they're not dumb people. That's the thing. They're very smart. <laughs> they're they, they not dumb. <laughs> they they know exactly what they're doing. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, Clashmore Mike hanging out uh, with the Final Four crowd. <laughs> uh, shoot. Yep. So check them out. Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Proud uh, supporters of this podcast and many others uh, that uh, that we enjoy ourselves. Dude, let's talk about Blake Wesley real quick. You brought him up about uh, when we were talking about just kind of like how we report things and all that. But, yeah, you know, Blake Wesley famously now, you know, what everyone thought he was going to test the waters. His mom's scre- <laughs> screaming out when well, they're not testing anything. Uh, Tim Priester was on the Irish Illustrated podcast today, still leaning into the to the thought that he could because technically yes if he doesn't hire an agent he could come back but the the way priester was leaning into it was like that still might be a thing for him that he wants uh i don't know i just i think number one is another day basketball fan you'd love to see blake wesley come back but and i said this in one of the comments on the stories on the site i think it's smart for him i i I know everyone says he's not ready and this and that, yada, yada, yada. But if he's going to be a first-round draft pick, oh God, yeah. he is guaranteed that money. If he's going to be a first-round draft pick, he's guaranteed that money for the first two seasons. So if you believe that Blake Wesley needs maybe just one more year or two more years at Notre Dame, why shouldn't he? Why can't he improve in the NBA while making a shit ton of money? Like why does he why, why why does it have to be like he rides the bench and that's a fail or he has to go to the G League even if he's going to the G League he's still making that money and he's still hundred percent hundred percent agree and look if if the injuries get him they would have gotten him in college and if um if he's if he's a flunky and he, after two years they don't want to give him an, nobody wants to give him a contract guess what he can come back to Notre Dame. Not to play, but to get his degree, right? So right. I, I, I do not worry about Blake Wesley. I think that, I think that this is absolutely fine. I think it's interesting that there was a big philosophical discussion, um, probably around the, maybe the Pat Connaughton time, where people were were they asking Bray about these one and dones and and sort of like, you know, will, would Notre Dame ever do that? And, and it's like, it's so funny because you act like they act like the college has the, has the control here. Like the kid has an outstanding season and people are talking about him as a first round pick. He's going to be a one and done. Like it, there's yeah. no reason to stay. That's, that's dumb. Like if, it, you know, if it, it take basketball out of it, if a kid was a, a YouTube sensation and he could make a, a million dollars a year, we wouldn't say, Hey, you should stay in school though. You know what right. I mean? Like go make that money. So, yeah. so I, I can look at this like in, in three different ways and still feel authentic. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> number one, I mean, I can look at it as a, as a Notre Dame fan. I want Blake Wesley to return to Notre of Dame. Of course. 100% want him back and all that as a college basketball fan or just a basketball fan in general. I know Blake Wesley is not ready to be a big time NBA player next year. He has massive issues with finishing when he gets to the rim. He, he has, he has things that he absolutely needs worked on. He is not a finished product at all, but there is a ton of physical ability that he has that you cannot coach. And that is a big driver and why teams take any player in any sport, uh, high in the draft 
It's the intangibles. It's just like, it's the old thing about, you know, the guy, the guy running from home to first guy runs with, you know, guy runs with perfect form guy runs without form. You know, the guy with perfect form beats the guy without perform, but you could teach that, you know what I mean? It's sure. And then the third thing I look at it is in, is Blake Wesley's best interest his best financial interest. And I've already stated how I felt about that. Like you could absolutely go get there. There is a route for him. And to think that he won't get any coaching by a team investing him that much money is, is ridiculous. He, he can go, who cares if he's playing in the G league for a year, he's still making that money and he's still playing basketball, improving his game, molding it more towards what they want for the NBA. Anyways, than playing in college and what the college program wants you to do. So Actually, to be honest with you, this reminds me a lot of the Jewel Lloyd discussion. I don't remember how, if you, how much you remember that, but oh, yeah. know, when she yeah. left, when she left, everyone was like, they were team Muffet cause Muffet was all pissy about it. And, and you know, guess what? She's on WNBA champion. She's now WNBA champion card in the W in the WA in NBA. Right. Like, and she's a basketball gold medalist and, all the, everything, right? So I Jewel Lloyd did not suffer. So no, no. And and once again, I'm not gonna buy I'm not gonna lose much sleep over any individual making the personal choice for themselves. Just say there's all sorts of different ways you can look at this. And it is what it is. I, I mean, mean Jaden Ivey's coming out too, right? Yeah, so yeah. hey, two South so you have two South Bend kids yeah. possibly getting drafted in the uh uh in the first round. That's pretty, I mean, that's a fun thing. I made, Hey, I made a tab for one foot down just for this draft. There's not too many NBA drafts where I'm, where I make, a, where I make a special tab. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, pretty excited about that. Um, and, and, I, and by the way, I love the way the NBA does this with the, with the idea that the kid can come back to college if he doesn't sign with an agent. Right. And so it just, it, it gives the kids flexibility that I, that I actually absolutely love. And I wonder if, if the NFL can do something similar because well, um, a lot of kids are getting bad advice about, about the NFL and, and you know, you, you miss out on that combine invite and it's, it's super huge in terms of hurting your prospects to get drafted. Right. And I so, guess I find it kind of ridiculous that it, that it even matters now in the, in the new NIL world. Like what's it matter if a kid has an agent or not now? Because he has an agent for NIL stuff. I, that's fair. That's fair. You know, I just, so, I just, I just, so I, I, I I completely agree with you, but I also at the same time I'm like why did why why should it even matter anymore? Before before nil I I saw the reasoning. We can't take the game as far man. as the can't as far the as all that. So yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, man, not much more to. I mean, baseball struggling a little bit. Hockey. Oh, had they won tonight then. though. They beat Florida State. Oh, so that was cool. Yeah, that was an extra innings deal. Hey, wait. Oh, good. I didn't see that result. Excellent. Link Jarrett going back home for that one. Yeah. Uh, look, it, it's spring. Spring football. <laughs> I feel Greg Greg get the rage every time I say I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's the funny thing about this spring, Jude, is that it just feels like there is le- absolutely less coverage than we've had. In a long, long time. You know, to and, be honest with you, like I feel, I feel like that's but helping the, me kind but the of interviews t- tune it out a little bit, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's made me feel more at home and like in my thought process about it. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I don't feel as much of a, as an outcast. Cause I'm not like frothing over, uh, some stretching videos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, like last year when we were getting three minute videos each day, that was something else. I mean, I, I had less of that feeling last year cause we were, you were getting, and, you know, and think about all the things we thought about Jack Cohn throwing 35 yard bombs every game. So yeah, I mean, they're proving my point right there. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, my whole thing is this is so important for the players and the coaching and the coaching staff. It's less important for fans. It should, you know, you should make it less. You're not going to understand half of what they're trying to do because it ain't the same as fall camp or getting ready for a seat, you know, getting ready for the season in, in a month. It's getting ready for a season six months prior, which is a whole different uh, thing altogether. And can we can we just take a second to for all the people and, and I haven't heard of as loud this year, but for all the people that are like, how are we going to get down to 85 scholarships? Yo, bro, we're at 84 right now. Right. So, yeah, we're yeah, we're good. Uh, and that's yeah. And that's with walk ons. Right. And that's that's before kids decide, hey, guess what? I I got the lay of the land under under new coach Marcus Freeman and you know, new defensive coordinator Al Golden and. And uh, all of a sudden, I, I'm not as high up on the death chart as I think I should be, right? And so, so you know, kids are definitely going to walk out the door, and the kids are going to come in, and um, we're going to be fine on the scholarships. We're going to be fine on the scholarships. We're not going to have a scholarship crunch come August. So No. A couple so, more things before we get done here, Jude. I, sure. I did say when you brought up uh, schedule. Yeah. Uh, I did I did say I, I, I'd circle back to that. Uh, yeah. and dropped a, I dropped a pin in it. I'm circling back. Okay. Um, so one of the, one of the fun things that I, that I should have known, but did not know about Notre Dame's future schedule of the next 10 years is that there is a, there's a year coming up where Notre Dame has three <laughs> games, I guess, yeah. uh, I guess Florida schools in 2031, um, oh, Notre Dame. That, okay. That's go- where you're going with this. Okay. I, I thought you were going to do the big 10 um, how we're all all up in the Big Ten's grill in 2026, but keep going. No, we have that, but no, we have three Florida schools. So, um, we play USF and Florida, mm-hmm. the Gators mm-hmm. in South Bend, and, and then we Miami. travel to and we travel to Miami, and then in 2032, even even more hardcore is that we travel to uh to the swamp, we travel um. Uh, to Miami and we get Florida state at home. So in that 31, 32 time span, we can win the sunshine state uh, trophy. If there, if there is, I, I'm not sure if there is one, but we're going to make one uh, for, uh, for 2031 and 2032. That's a whole lot of Florida action uh, in, in consecutive years. I think that's a lot. Well, well it's just, yeah, it's interesting. And, and again, I, I, I don't think I heard you correctly, or maybe maybe I misunderstood. But like 2031, all three of those games against Florida teams are home games. 2032, no, all three. no, oh yes, 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 yes. All Miami, Miami's at home. USF is at home, and Florida's at home. They all have to come to South Bend in 2031. Right, and in 2032, two of the three are away. So Florida and Miami are away, and Florida State is home. So yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, we are. I mean, can we get UCF? Uh, because we can really, we can do this up proper 
you know, if you want. <laughs> for what? For 2032? Well, I mean, we played yeah. UC or uh, USF in, in 2031. Oh, Central Florida. Central, Central Florida. Florida. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's get it going. Who who knows? I mean, there's there is room on the schedule once you start getting down that far. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all happening. I but mean, you were like, going to talk about. We had a we had a big laugh about this. Uh, you know, ACC has set its tentative schedules through 2037. They haven't given us exact right. dates, but they've given us the matchups or whatever. This has turned out to be a terrible, terrible deal for the ACC to have booked into this long term deal. Um, you know, these media rights things are just moving way too fast to have locked themselves in for, um, for forever and a day. So they were scared shitless, man. They thought they, they were. were about to get raided yep. once Mar- and you know, Maryland's departure shook them quite a bit. And, and that really was it. Maryland leaving. They had, they wanted to put together a, a grant of rights deal that kept everybody in place, like made the buyouts like so ridiculous, like. They were they were fighting for their lives at the time. Um, if you guys don't remember, like 2010 to 2012 conference realignment was fucking insane, absolutely insane. I mean, there's no reason Rutgers should be in the Big Ten, none. And if the Big Ten knew how cable television was actually going to work in 2022, Rutgers wouldn't be in the fucking Big Ten <laughs> right now. Uh, is absolutely terrible, uh, but. It was just, it was so insane back then. And yeah, the ACC was just absolutely just making sure that they were still a league, that they were not going to get raided by the, by the SEC, which there was rumors and, and overtures or the big 12. I mean, there's, they're just trying to make sure they were a viable league and locking teams in for a long future. You know, long contracts are, are kind of like safety nets, right? It's, it's just like a veteran you know, a guy who's been playing playing football for eight years, he's looking for a big five-year contract extension. A guy, you know, say an offensive lineman stayed healthy, what or four-year, whatever it is, he's trying to get a longer contract than he even plans on playing because it's security for himself. So, and teams are willing to give that as security to keep that that player. So it's, it works a lot. Look, works a lot like that. A terrible decision. You're right, Jude. Uh, but yeah, 2020, <laughs> really back 2026, we get back into, uh, to like mid nineties, Notre Dame, you got three big 10 teams on the schedule, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan state. It's a little, yeah. I mean, it feels, that feels like 1998 to me. So it's crazy. So when I, when I, when I did the, none of these games are anything I didn't know. Right. Like we've done write-ups for all these, all these games <laughs> so, and these series. Actually, the 2026 game against Michigan State, I was not aware of. So I'm not sure how when that got revealed, but uh, that one was new to me. But okay. uh, other well, than that, that was, yeah. Well, that's the first game back, right? You didn't know about 20. Like when we played in 2017, we knew that 2026 was the next was the next game because he said it would be another nine years. Yeah, it would be another nine years that we hold on to the. Then I must have um, I must have missed it in 2017 because I did, I wasn't paying close enough attention clearly. So. Yeah, I knew I knew that was that was happening, but I guess my point was is that I, I I did this did this post to try to like just highlight like some of the I, and, I, and I call them out of conference games. Like I consider Notre Dame in a conference of five ACC games on average a year plus SC plus Stanford plus Navy. 
And that's on average, that's eight games scheduled a year. Just like the SEC has their conference schedule of eight games. It's what you do with those other four that really make or break the season. Now, yeah, so within your, within your, like SC being good or Clemson being good, you know, all that stuff can affect it. But the four other games that you, that you pet, that you sign up can kind of like give that special flavor for the season. And again, like I knew all these games were on the schedule, but so I wanted to, but I wanted to just want to make sure everyone was like aware, like when that was happening and, and like the, the, the order, like the, if, when you get in the 2023, 2033, the very next, the 11th year, Michigan comes back on the schedule. So it just, it did, it struck me as, as this doesn't feel very fun. This feels less fun than when, like when it's kind of announced, I, like Purdue is on there a lot, <laughs> 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 which takes away some of the, it's almost like Purdue is like back in the conference for a minute. Because we, we over that next decade we play them quite a bit. Plus we played them this year, so you know the Michigan and then you know Michigan State, which is for me is great. I love the Michigan State series, um, and then obviously Michigan isn't for another eleven years. But it just it was, there was less on there. But when you I mean, go we and took, look, we took at a it, huge break from Purdue for a while, right? We didn't do Purdue from right. what fourteen to twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, you know, you go you, when you go up and down this list that I have here. I mean, we don't even have we only have eleven games scheduled for ne- for next season for twenty twenty three. There's still a there's still a spot available, as far as I know. Let's see, we got I think twenty three, twenty four, and twenty five still only have eleven. One and one of those might be Central like a Michigan, Navy or a Stanford three, that. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, eleven for twenty twenty three. I got. Yeah, and again, and some of these games, like some of these years, Stanford's not on there. And someone asked me, like, do you? I like, I fully expect Notre Dame to keep right. doing the Stanford series. Right. Like, I don't think they're going to drop it. I think they should, or at least change, change it up a little bit. But they're not going to. They're going to keep doing what they're doing with with Stanford. Obviously, you know, I always find joy in Navy not being on a schedule for one year uh, <laughs> when you look at the schedules, but you know they're going right. to put them on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even SC, uh, I can't what year that stops, but 27. They're gonna, yeah, that, that's going to be, you know, that'll be back on there. So, sure. but there is room. Like, there's a lot of these games where these years I put on there, I got two teams written down as the out of conference games, which means there is room for them to add some, some extra spice, some extra flavor, you know, to the whole deal. And look, you can't predict anything. No, of like, course not. Jude, you talk about, about this all the time because you're, you're a lot more heavily invested in, in, in what, you know, the scheduling and stuff, but we we have no idea what these teams are going to look like three years from now, let alone five, six, seven, eight years from now. I mean, it's just, yeah. there's a, it's a possibility. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, mock, mock Jack Swarbrick or any idea all you want, but they, they don't know what the fuck they're walking into either. They're they're no, thinking that they're going to get a good. They're getting a a proper matchup, and then it's just waiting, <laughs> lay back and wait and see for the next seven years. Like, how's that going to look? <laughs> you know, it's just it's a fucking crapshoot. Yeah, I mean, um, so, we put we put Texas A and M on the 2024-2025 schedule in 2014, 15 maybe, and it's just like. You have no idea. You have no idea what Texas A and M is going to be in twenty twenty four. And now we are going to have the sitting here in twenty twenty two. I can't tell you. 
and now you AM's going to have the best recruiting class of all time <laughs> as juniors in 2024. Right. When we go down to college station. But, no one would have thought of that. Well, but maybe they're embroiled in a in a in a NIL scandal or something like that, and they've lost scholarships, and it's Jimbo's or half those guys under or half those guys hit like, the portal. I, yeah, it was just like you. Yeah, I can't even say. It's on paper, it seems like a fun game, but I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, and there's a little bit of like I don't want to say tradition, but there's a you know there's a little there's some history there between Notre Dame and A and M, obviously. Uh, between bowl games, uh, the regular Davey. season gets your schedule. Bob Davey for sure. Um, another thanks to to Brendan for whipping up a Bob Davey hot dog machine thing for me real quick. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, so the schedule schedule. And the last thing I have for for us goes back to what we were talking about with Dante Moore, Jude. I, I didn't really. I wasn't sure if I caught you in the in the DMs or not, but I'm, I called out Brendan in the in the Twitter Spaces. Brennan's got a pants gate going on right now, and he's not wrong. Well, so okay, so Brendan follows the the, the pants color way closer than I do. Um, I, I, I to be honest with you, I I, I don't I can't I, I never know if it's the lighting or if it's you know it, it's it's hard for me to say if this is a this is a true reveal. But yes, I did notice the same thing that Brendan did, which was. In the Dante Moore pictures, the pants seem to be a a different hue, I guess I would say, right? Right, right. Now, and it's hard to know. I mean, it, who knows? Did they do that just for the the photo effects because that matches up with the gold? But, I mean, for years I've been saying that I love Notre Dame's pants as they are, and they're not supposed to be matching the helmet. That's not how they are meant to be portrayed. And yet here they are <laughs> recruiting in what's going to be like probably the most widely spread recruiting picture of the cycle with pants that match. Mm-hmm. Now fans that are like longing for the hooker pants of your, which these are not, these are, these are less gold hooker. They, and Brendan said that, you know, these look a lot like the throwbacks from uh, the BC game uh, a few years back. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people like those pants. They like the pants. They like the black shoes. Like I don't think you're going to get all that back, but there was a difference. There is a difference between those pants that Dante Moore was wearing in those, in those photos than what Notre Dame normally wears. If that means anything, I don't know. But we got pants gate now. <laughs> Legit pants gate. It's a shame that Brendan wasn't on here because I'm. He would be Charlie. Uh, with, <laughs> with, with the uh, conspiracy, he, he's got it. He's got it under control. Maybe that's what he's actually doing. Maybe he's lying to me about taking care I of I guess I'll say this in general, like a, a new head coach is a perfect time to, to mess with the uniforms. Well, um, and I've been saying that, right? Like, yeah. Saying, like, and, I, and I actually, well, changes are coming. Maybe like, maybe not the first year. Cause you know, who knows about the timing with, with under armor or whatever. Kelly but did. Like, yeah, no, I look, I feel you. I'm just. I'm just saying, like, you know, we'll see, right? And if I, right. it, I feel like it's a real missed opportunity if we don't see something different by midseason. So, I guess my my thinking is this: is that Kelly's first year, he changed the uniform, and it it wasn't even really due for a change, like as far as like time wise goes. But he changed it, and it's been basically the same 
It was the same through the Adidas agreement. It changed up mainly just off of a font issue when Under Armour took over, but mostly been the same. But it's it's like we're due for a change now. Like Notre Dame is not Alabama or Penn State. Like there are change. I don't know how many times I have to say this? You can go back and look. It changes all the goddamn time. <laughs> sure, of course. Yeah. So, so it seems like you were due for a change, whether it's subtle or not. It's might it might as well be leading into the season. I mean, why not? I I mean I don't know exactly what that change would be. I don't like the font of the Under Armour uses, but what's the there? Maybe the change is just putting nameplates on the, on the back. Full time. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, it's it's the simplest thing in the NIL world. Yeah, I was going to say, what a way to usher in the NIL era than to put the name tags on the back. It will piss off so many old white people guys, but uh, (laughs) I'm here for it. It's such nonsense. Like the the whole philosophy upon like this is a T it's all bullshit. No no player player buys into that. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I want to. None of your players give a shit about that philosophy and they're not buying into what you're doing as a coach because that's what you say that is. Right. They're fucking if they're gonna play like a like a like a selfish asshole, they're a selfish a- asshole whether they got a name on the back of their jersey or not. The, the, none of that fucking matters. So the easiest thing you can do in the NIL era is to at least make them distinguishable on the field for people that aren't super fans that that know every player and every number. By the way, spring game would have been a great time to pull out some gold jerseys. But well, we're we're doing that in Vegas, baby. <laughs> All gold, everything. I love it. <laughs> I, I will. Yeah, I'll bet anybody. I'll bet anybody that's going to be all gold for the Vegas game. But the gold throne, it's coming. Just fucking, just, just. Drip in 1970s mafia gold. It's going to be fantastic. <sighs> I think that's it for us, Jude. Awesome. I think we did. We did a valuable service tonight. Yeah. I hope you're not still shoveling snow, but if you are, we were in your ears for a couple hours. So Jude, I saw a TikTok uh, just a couple hours before we uh, got on. I, I, I I probably need to send it to you. I say I was gonna I was gonna jab you on Twitter a little bit, but uh, the guy was it was an army guy talking about the worst bases to be uh, to be assigned oh, to. Oh no! The first the number for the first one was, was Fort, Fort Drum, oh. and he just did not he just eviscerated Waterton, just eviscerated oh. like twenty seconds. I was like, oh poor Jude. He's like, this place is there's nothing to do. It's fucking <laughs> you get you get winter ten months out of the year. It's just, it was, I was like, oh, poor Jude. I'm always very interested in what basis people find, like, like that I would never consider in a million years. But a lot of people like going to the Korean bases. A lot of people like going to the Germany base. Uh, You know, give me Georgia, man. I I don't know. Like, if you want good weather. I don't think anyone wants to be down at Fort Benning. That's like a hellscape, right? Well, I just, I think in terms of weather-wise, I don't know. I don't really think about the culture or anything. But uh, See, I would, if I... I'm not in the military and I have plenty of family members who are, I don't know why I've never had this conversation, but I think as a military, if you were in the military, I would rather be in a cold weather environment 
than a warm weather environment because you got all that fucking gear on. Gear on, yeah. What's worse than having all that gear than heat and humidity? Yeah. Ugh. No, I'd be no. Like, like no. <laughs> no. <laughs> heat and humidity make me fucking crazy. Uh, which is probably why you won't find me uh, when Notre Dame goes down to the swamp. That's, I mean, I picked that as the game to go to, but I don't know if you'll find me there. That's a, that's a lot of heat and humidity for a football game. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I was supposed to. Greg asked me to uh, to jab you on something. Okay. How about that 2012 USC uh, game? You know, <laughs> we both right, thought so- it was cri- we both thought it was criminal of you to not just put those two up and you put in 12 Stanford. And I don't know what the other one was. 18 Both of them was criminal. Cause right. that wasn't our argument. Our argument was based no, off those. No, it wasn't. But, but look, you can, you can, you can look, you can figure out, you can figure out where people's heads are at. Right. The fact that 18 USC ended up above 10 USC means that 10 USC is like, no matter how hard Brendan and I were trying to persuade people. We were clearly unsuccessful. I mean, it was it was literally sucking hind tea in that poll. And now, look, I expected Stanford to win, right? And so that was just it. It didn't really make a difference. If you just put ten and twelve together, twelve would have won uh, easily. I put eight, I put eighteen in there because I didn't. I I don't feel anything and strongly this, about. And I don't this feel is why people don't trust pollsters anymore, Jude. Because the argument was about 12, 2012 and 2010 SC games, and, and, we, and, and we, you're giving me you're you're going step by step about what you were doing, and it well, skewed it skewed the results. No, it, did, for, it did not skew the results because twelve, 12 still ended out, up twelve would have blown out completely correct. out of water in 2010. Correct, and you can tell that from the poll. It's clearly you can tell that from the poll. That that thing normal been, people can't. That but normal people can't. Seventy thirty. But normal people can't. Easily. I mean, then the learn how to read a learn how to read a poll. Then I guess I would say people in this country don't know how to read polls. No, I think the thing that was most interesting to me though is literally that eighteen the people have hold eighteen in such high regard. I I don't get it. Like what's what's eighteen? The reason nothing. One person I saw one person on Twitter give reasoning for their eighteen vote, and he's correct. But it's it's not a general. It, it's not a widely held. What it, what does like, eighteen have that twelve doesn't have? I don't understand. Eighteen what. So 18 is special in in one small regard, and it may not matter to a whole lot of people, but to a, to a subset of of some of us, and it does to me. But I'm not, not enough to like put it above 2012. But 18 was the year where the Syracuse game got moved from the from the senior you know from senior day to you know, Yankee Stadium, and we had this massive amount of travel miles on their schedule. Okay, and the thing about the 18 SC game was they were toast physically. They were absolutely toast. And you could tell that against SC, their legs were gone. Like how they end up winning that game. And by the way, Tony Jones, Jr. Trojan killer, you know, with the big play in that game, I mean, I guess, you know, a bad SC team. That's Notre Dame struggles. A good Notre Dame teams will struggle against bad or mediocre SC teams out in LA because there's just at the end of the season, they're done. That's a long, that's a, that's a bad trap. So I understood the reasoning like that. There was a lot of stuff that people maybe don't think about it or, or really care about. They're actually, 
actually affected that team. And it was the pressure there to stay undefeated to get to the playoffs. That, that is still a big moment. Again, dancing on their, on your rival's field. I don't, I would not vote for 18 out of that poll. And I did not, but I appreciated someone putting that explanation forward because it would be the only explanation I would, would give. Would you I vote for 18 over 10? No, only because I already had 12. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, right. and that's what, the fact that 18 ended up higher ranked than, than 10 was like, that meant people made a decision where they, they said to themselves out of these four choices, I would actually put 18 as number one over 3% more likely than the, the 10, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if 18 went up against 10, that would be like a 65, 35, which is crazy I mean, to I mean, me. I mean, the, the thought of, again, beating your rival in their house to go to the playoffs or go to the championship game holds a lot of sway with people. No, I mean, and, 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 and look, if you if you gave me 18 versus 12, I'm taking 12. But if you if you give me 18 right. versus oh, yeah. 10, I'm oh, yeah. also taking 10. I just the 18 is the is the fourth choice for me. So for to see 11 percent of people used as the number one choice, I, I was just shocked. I, was shocked. I would. There's I'm no not argument sure. you can make for 18. I, I know what you just said, but to me, there's no argument you could make for 18 that you couldn't make for another game uh, in a better way. Well, we're not going to get into that because you started pulling out all sorts of hypotheticals and I'm just talking, trying to talk about regulars. Okay. But I I think I'm with you on that order as far as like I would go 12-10 and these are 18. SC games, 12-10 SC games. But I'm not sure – I mean, I should go 12 Stanford, but I do, I mean, I do hold that special part of the, the last last game at your rival's house to go to the playoffs championship, whatever. I, I'm not sure how, I'd, how it, if you just, if you just said 18 SC versus 12 Stanford, I'm not, I can't sit here and tell you which one I'd go with. I think oh, I'd probably change up daily. That's interesting. See, the reason I liked putting the 12 Stanford in there was because 12 Stanford has a lot going for it, but it doesn't have the argument that a lot of people use for 12 USC, which is, look, you right. got to win the last game on the road against your hated rival, right? And that's why people hold up 12, 12 USC in such high regard. But when you make the 12 Stanford arg- argument, you're almost making the exact opposite argument, which is you beat a really good team that year in an epic game, right? And well, there's a skewed defeated season. If there's a skewed view any, of the. There's a skewed view of the 2012 Stanford game. Then it's, okay. The, look at the list that you have there, Jude. Okay. 10 SC, 12 SC, 18 SC, 12 Stanford. What's the what, what's the massive difference between those four games? Oh. I, I, You're breaking up, but I'm sure you were going to say that Stanford is the only home game of those four. Sure. So for a lot of fans, like you don't see a lot of clips of the other three games. You just don't. Yeah, that's fair. You see a lot of clips of that Stanford. I mean, there's just, there's like a, over time there is, there's a gradual like buildup of how much that game met. And cause there's so many iconic images of that game. And yes, right. it was a great fucking game as far as like what it meant and, you know, and all that and how it went down the goal line, but it, it helps skew like the greatness of it over a game that would take you to the championship game. 
because it's, you're more familiar with it. So many people voted for that saying that they were there at that game, you know, in that poll. Like I was right, there. Right, right, like, right. There's a lot less people, Notre Dame fans that follow us on Twitter that were at the, they were in LA for the game. Uh, so it, it is skewed a little bit because that the home game, big games by fans, I think oftentimes get a little extra added boost because there's, there's a nostalgia and a, you know, maybe you went to it. There's just, there's a familiarity, whatever it is. It's, it, it, right. There is a, and, that, and it's fair. I mean, it, it's all either way. It's fair. I'm just saying, I think that's a little, it works a little skewed is all. That's interesting. So then, then it kind of, it, it brings up a, what's the better win 17 USC or 18 USC, right? And, ah, man, and I, because 18, the, and I would both, the argument for exactly. 18 is like exactly. you just beat your hated rival on the road at the end of the It should be 18, but most people are going to say 18, 17. But, seven, but 17 is such a beautiful game, right? It's such an it's ass whooping. Kicking Sam Darnold's ass on your home field on a 70-degree night in October. I mean, it's just. Yeah, no, 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 no. I totally agree with you. It should be 18, but I but guarantee I think that you if you put that pull out there, it'd be 17 would, would kill it. Absolutely kill it. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, look, people's opinions about what's great and what's not great, and the fact that their reasoning That's will change <laughs> will change on a game to game basis. Well, and, that, and that's sort of what I love about this argument, right? Because somebody came back, somebody came back and said, "Well, how do you define best game? Like, it's always both. You define it whichever way you want to define it. If it's because you were there in the if you were there in the audience, you got rained on, and you have fond memories of that. That's going to be your best game, you know." Absolutely. Was, I, absolutely. I thought it was fun. I learned no, a lot I, about I learned a lot about their Twitter followers, including the disrespect for so the yeah, so Greg of all the things of all the things I said, hey Greg, what do you what do you want me to 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 jab Jude about a little bit tonight? And that was the only thing he said. That's funny. <laughs> was that was that poll? And and by the way, let me jab Greg back, which is I think that Greg would hold two thousand USC in a much higher regard than most people would. 2000 USC. Pro- oh, yeah, I mean... What, the last time that they had won before 2010 in L.A., right? The Matt Lavecchio game. The, the Matt Lavecchio game. I believe a game Greg actually attended in person, so that would that would also, you know, help his cause a little bit in terms of his fondness for the game. I mean, because we look at things... We, we, you know, we've, we focus so much about the era that we're in really. And, you know, that podcast, we when we were going on with the, with the tournament that was all during the Brian Kelly era, but like 99 Oklahoma and 99 SC are fucking incredible games. Absolutely incredible games. Uh, and both were record breaking comebacks from Notre Dame within one season in a bad year. Yeah. It wasn't even a good season. year. That nine season is very weird. Very, very, very. Yeah, we do. Was it last year we did the uh, the eternal strangeness of ninety five, ninety six? Yeah, or whatever it was, but the, or the high strangeness of ninety five, ninety six. But ninety nine's on that same kind of that same level of uh, of ninety five, ninety six for sure. Like it's just it's yeah. so perfectly Bob Davy. It is. It is. <laughs> All right, you got anything else uh, before? Else to let uh, let loose before we wrap up. I 
just want to give a quick shout out to uh, the ladies playing number one, the ladies lacrosse team, uh, four and six, ranked fifteenth in the in the country, playing number one North Carolina tomorrow at eleven a.m. in Chapel Hill. Uh, no, I mean today. They went today. I'm sorry, it's today, eleven a.m. today. So soon after you listen to this podcast, tune into that. Um, really, no low expectation that they win that game. Slash, no expectation that they win that game. But I want to see him uh, be kind of because obviously North Carolina is undefeated this season. They're the crown, they're the crown, they're the team to beat. Obviously, uh, if you follow women's across at all, you know that Andy Aldave, who is the Notre Dame uh, all-time leader in draw controls, used her graduate season to go play at North Carolina and chase a title. So there's a little bit of a familiar foe on the other side. Um, so bad blood. Um, um, it's not bad blood. It's all. It's all good. We love. We still it's love all Andy. bad blood, Jude. When, it, it's, when it's all about. We still love Andy. She didn't go to BC. I guess I would say that. So, um, so anyways, eleven o'clock today. Uh, as you're listening to this, uh, and uh, you know, tune in, support the ladies, and see if they can't um, pick up a, a ma- It would be an amazing upset. It would just be people would be talking about it. So, alrighty. Well, I don't think I have anything left. I'm glad we did Greer beginning of this, uh, yeah, this episode, but I will have that. I will have that stuff in the, in the notes. Like, like I said, um, there is a, a, a change to the, this has nothing to do with charity and this is only gonna make people angry, but there's a change to the comment system. Uh, one foot down, uh, please, that's coming up. Please be kind. It's not any of our idea. This is all Vox media, SB nation stuff. We can't hold them off any longer. It's been a couple of years. Sorry. Uh, please don't stop commenting. <laughs> uh, even, though I, uh, even though you may want to, please don't stop. Um, that's really all. So, yeah, a little bit of psych news is all I really have. Um, and we will march on. Brendan will be back uh, with us on our next OFT podcast. Uh, hopefully I'll drop a, a new OTR within the next week, too. Jude, real quick. Yes. The 2000s. Was that the most interesting decade in Notre Dame football history? Oh, yeah. I meant to ask you about that. Did, were you were you putting any parameters on that in terms of like, I, I can't go back like historically, like I have to be in my lifetime or? How, how no, you kinda, no, okay. no, no, no. I, I, I mean, I always, I will always view things from an opinion based, on opinion based stuff more on my you know from my sure timeline of life yeah yeah but no that you there's our i mean like i thought about the 40s uh because it's sort of like even the 30s because you know the way rock went out and all that stuff but sure uh but no it's 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 open and i don't there's no for me there's no right or wrong it's just how people view things and so i, I was more curious about what they my feeling is that the 2000s was the most interesting because of how insanely awful everything you know a lot of it was <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just, it, look. When I praise Brian Kelly, it's because of the 2000s. Go, yeah, absolutely, of, absolutely, yeah. We could not do another decade of that. It was just, it was just so bad. Yeah, and, and um, I, I've talked about this uh, probably on the podcast and certainly on Twitter. Um, I've been, I, you know, last year I got watching 2003 football games. There's just it's it's unwatchable football. I can't even imagine we we subjected ourselves to it. It's just <laughs> it's so bad. It, it, it's not like it's not like the dumb luck of 2002. It's just just all around awful. Bad. 
Yeah, and it's, it's like, so bad. And you know Brady Quinn's going to become something, but he was just – it just – he was just awful. He was just awful. The duck squat. Ugh. Yeah. It's, just, it's all – it's just bad. So, I mean, did, did you have another decade that uh, that really stood out to you? Um, I was going to say the fifties just cause I'm coming off the Leahy thing. And then there's some weird, there's some weird stuff with like, you know, Paul Harding winning the Heisman and a, and a really, in a really terrible season. Right. Um, but I, I liked, I like, I read your article and I really, uh, I, I liked your argument for, for the two thousands. I thought that was pretty interesting. So yeah. Five head coaches, regardless yeah. of, regardless of games, <laughs> five, yeah. five head coaches is just That's incredible. It's yeah. absolutely just three is incredible enough. That's, that's how bad you are. You had to go through three. Thank you. No, 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 There was four literally as named as a head coach, uh, another name or five during that time span. It's just, it's insane. Now, it, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame was on the precipice of just being just another college football program. It's Notre Dame. Honest to God cannot operate at, on that level very long. You can't Notre Dame can't be just another college football program. It's either going to be sink or it's either sink or swim. Because if they stay mediocre, they have nothing to sell, and then it's just basement time. But if you go up, then you can survive. But they can't oh, be like they can't be what? Who who's who's one of the most average college football programs out there? Virginia? Ole Miss. Yeah, they, they, Notre Dame can't operate on that level. Yeah, that's it, it was Te- Texas. A&M. That decade, was it. That de- yeah, that decade was it. And again, like I said, Brian Kelly was able to help keep Notre Dame from fa- falling off that fucking cliff. So, whatever. It's <laughs> now he's down and now he's down in Baton Rouge, uh, doing whatever he does. <laughs> With uh, Jake Flint and uh, Brian Polian, and did uh, Jeff Quinn actually materialize down there? I I heard that rumor, but I don't remember if we ever confirmed that. Not as an offensive line coach, but but even I mean, like an analyst or, or anything. I thought he was going to Nebraska. Hmm. The last time. Eh. We'll look at the show notes. If we find it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look into the whereabouts of Jeff Quinn, uh, and uh, maybe the FBI knows. But, that, <laughs> but that's it for, for for me for us. Uh, just a reminder: get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave that rating, leave a review, and any review that you leave, we will read on the next OFD podcast. Keep checking out the site. We will do our damnedest. To have fun uh, during what is – we are now really officially in the off-season of off-seasons. So we are we are actively only really covering uh, women's lacrosse and baseball right now. Um, and so everything else is uh, is off. Yep. And, and we'll have some NFL draft stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a, it's your typical off-season stuff, but we are fully in it. There's no more women's team in the tournament, men's team in the tournament, whether basketball or hockey. So – I, I, which basically is me reminding myself to, I need to write some fucking emails <laughs> and and start figuring out uh, what how we're gonna handle uh, handle all of our time from now until August. So, at any rate, thank you for listening, and as always, go Irish. <laughs>